This is HPR episode 2845 entitled HPRNYE Show 2018-2019 Part 4. It is hosted by Honky Magu and is about 171 minutes long and carries an explicit flag. The summary is the HPR community comes together to say Happy New Year and chat. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Just found this M.2 card from Canada, posted in this chat here. And it's one of the ones listed. I think it is. Let me go back over here. Intel Wireless 7260, or the 8260. They both should work. Sometime between January 17th and March 1st. 725. 725 and it, by January, that's by January the 8th. Oh, that one's up. I think there's a second M.2 slot that's in there also. Now I'm wondering if I can uh, yeah. at some point squeeze a a cell radio into it. it. I thought that was the hard drive slot. There's a that's there's hundred total. I think the hard drive is actually a mini PCIe. Okay. Or not, but yeah, there, there's a there's the Wi-Fi slot, there's a hard drive slot, and then there's a blank slot. Okay. So a hard drive slot, a blank slot, and a. The, the original Bluetooth and Wi-Fi module slot? Yeah. I think it's got NFC built into it as well, but I'm not so concerned yeah, about losing does. the NFC. Yeah, it function. does. From what I understand on that write-up on that page that I sent, um, the NFC still works if you do some tweaking. Uh, it's not something that I would use on a tablet. but well, I mean, it could be useful for uh, some nefarious things. Uh, maybe. It's like, hey, why don't you just slide your card underneath my laptop real quickly? <laughs> yeah, I'm all about that, Paul. Ooh, here's one for five fifty. Also January the. 8th. Is it also the? Is it also the Dell? The Intel Wireless N seventy two sixty. That's one of the ones listed on the page. Here's the full list of the ones that will work. I didn't find most of the um, Qualcomm ones. I think that one is only a single band. I'm gonna go with the other one. That's a dollar two dollars fifty more. Okay, uh, let me go back over to that page. The first one I sent, or second one? Second one. The the one that's for seven twenty five. The second one, not the third one. Or second one. Second one. The the one that's for seven twenty five. The second one, not the third one. Okay, okay. Why not the third one? They look fairly similar. Fairly similar. It did, but, I mean, I saw just on there, it just said uh, wireless in, and, I mean, I probably could search some more to see if it said it was dual band, but I kind of like the dual band capability. Okay. Well, no, see, I like the third one I said a little bit more because the uh, description is more similar to what's on that page. This is the AC7260, so I, 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 I would hope it's exactly the same. 
Well, it's only like, uh, you know, it's less than 10 bucks that I'm throwing away on it, so. Yeah. But, yeah, in some parts in El Paso here, the 2.4 gigahertz versus the 5 gigahertz makes all the difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some places where you can't use 2.4 at all just because of of oversaturation. Right. Usually along the border, and that has to do with other uh, other wireless besides Wi-Fi. Right. Monitoring equipment. Though, not too long ago, I realized that um, Vivint, which I think they're shutting down now, but they are, their internet delivery system ran on 2.4. Uh, I looked at them, would a, couple, I looked at them a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, well, that would explain why I go by. the reviews were crap. Right. We'll give you 50 meg, but if the antenna is not just pointed right, you'll get two. Nothing. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on some of their old equipment, though. Directional antennas? Yeah, I wouldn't mind that either. Directional antennas. I'm pretty sure those radios are just a uh, oh, are network network based. Uh, <laughs> um, what's the word I'm looking for? TCP based, and we could probably configure them for different purposes than what they originally intended. We wouldn't do something like that, would we? I don't know. Is that part of the description of this podcast? <laughs> Maybe. Convince your brother to jump on too. Oh, hey, I should. Uh, give me a minute or two. He might be busy up to stuff, but... Alright. Hey, Nedminer, how you been? Doing alright. Well, I know I'm going to get to chat with you some more um, this upcoming Friday, but I still ain't heard from y'all in a while. Been keeping yourself busy? Yep. Doing some paperwork and just trying to stay I found out that if you try to print PLA in a very cold room that your print just comes off the board. Yeah, I don't find that overly surprising, unless you've got, like, a heated board. I, I know some people have built, like, uh, enclosures for their 3D printers specifically for that, to keep it at a steady temperature all around. Yeah, Chris has built one, and he's got the same printer as, as I do. Uh, and the, it does have a heated board, but it says recommended temperature for that filament is, like, 100 to 110 Fahrenheit, and... When it was close to freezing in the room, it was barely getting up to, like, 95. So, I have a big glob of PLA that's stuck around my printing block, and I have been lazy for the past couple of days to take it off. Eh, you'll get around to it. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry, not PLA, ABS. Um, but I think I'm just going to... Because this guy commissioned me to print what were you stuff, to, so What were you trying to print? A headphone stand that this guy that I work with was like, hey, I'll give you some money if you print a couple of these up. Cool. Anything on them other than just head headphone stand? No, just, you know, plain old run-of-the-mill headphone stands for a a uh, model that I pulled off the internet. Cool. How much is he paying you? Uh, I figured, you know, it it's 20 bucks for the filament. I was like, yeah, just give me 20 bucks for both of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm at like 20 bucks for a kilogram of filament, which I'm only going to use probably like not even a third of a kilogram. Right. And you can probably get that down depending on how you do the interior spacing. Yeah, though it may come down to how many different times I have to print it because I screw it up. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I'd want a headphone stand per se, but, you know, like a headphone hook, something I could screw into something else that actually had a, a broad perch in it to properly hold a set of headphones. Yeah, um, though I found with screwing, it probably would be better with ABS on that one because the PLA gets a little brittle if you push on it from the inside. Oh, 
I wasn't planning on screwing through it. I was planning on making a hole where it could like hang on a screw. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Same I issue. mean, that's same issue. Kind of. Um, though, I think the issue that I was having was that the model was slightly not exactly the right size. But there's uh, one of the little add-on add-ons on there was a uh, filament clip, and both times I printed it out when I put in the final screw, it would split ever so slightly on it. But I think it was the the width between the screws wasn't big enough. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, PLA <sighs> well, I mean, ABS is a little bit more flexible. How much were you guys paying for the printers? I didn't know you both got one. I thought you guys shared one. Well, yeah, he ended up saying, "Here, you know, I'll pay for half of this one, and here's more money. Go get another one for me and my kid." And I think we paid like one thirty, one forty for a piece. Oh. I mean, it requires assembly. And send me the model or the link. Yeah, sure. My concern would be that I'd get it, I'd print a couple of things, and then I'd collect dust. Right, yeah, mine has collected a few amounts of dust. Because, you know, 3D modeling has never really been my thing. $218.91 and $20 for shipping. I'm sorry, we got the A8, not the A9. A8. And prices of that seem to be ranging from uh, the lower 100s uh, up to, like, almost 200. Yeah, I see 180 on this one. Yeah, I mean, you can with search prime, around with prime. cheaper ones. <laughs> or, Salute. Yeah, sorry about that. I have been pleasantly impressed with the, uh, I guess you can say, not the durability, but I have burnt the, the extruder nozzle a couple of times, and... I got like a pack of six of them for ten dollars. <laughs> Been able just to swap those out when I screw that up. Cool. So what did I miss? Three oh, D printer. printers. Most importantly, cheap three D printers. I have been tempted, but as yes, happened uh, taking the plunge. Oh, and we were talking about tablets before that, specifically the um, seventy one thirty from the Dell Venue line. I think my biggest problem with it is is that it doesn't have like you know my android tablets battery life right yeah i heard well even initially the battery life on those were was not that great and it's because it's got an i3 processor in it right it's got a laptop processor and a tablet format so yeah the battery life's gonna suck and it is a bit bigger than i was expecting but i guess i'm really not complaining about that much Right. Well, between, you know, the laptop processor and the user-replaceable M.2 slots, yeah, I'm not surprised it's thicker than most tablets. I ordered a not-too-expensive case for it. I hope that it will still fit, like, the, the bottom keyboard extension if I decide to get that. Yeah. Oh, um, and with that, I've also heard that that's usually one of the first things to go out on the tablet, is the, the dock connector. Which is not that big of a deal if the Bluetooth works. Bluetooth is working, right, right. But you're ordering the card to fix that issue, and you Thanks say, for it, and you say it has an, you say it has another M.2 slot beyond that. So if you wanted to, you could toss in an M.2 hard drive, or um, they actually do make cellular uh, NGFF M.2 um, <clears throat> 4G LTE cards for it. Now, the one I found is for a specific company, but I'm sure that there are other ones. Yeah, I'll look at it. Um, 
just as long as it supports the bands and GSM. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, AT&T probably. Well, maybe. I mean, I could figure out those details. My problem is that um, the major carriers have been moving away from having such devices. Oh, this one's cheap. Because they want to have an actual hotspot device itself, they can put more control over it. Right. Or at least they can put more control over it for most people. Right, yeah, most people. I haven't tinkered with too much of those yet, because uh, particularly with, like, the actual hotspot and stuff, uh, don't want to brick the slightly expensive piece of electronics. Right, right. I mean, now, if I was some of these YouTube stars and whatnot that get all these stuff uh, sent to them by the to providers sometimes, or the provider, the vendors sometimes, then I might, you know, be more willing to brick some of these. Yeah. yeah. I started looking at... Um portable routers again, because I've still got that MR3040. It just doesn't have some of the internal memory to properly run OpenWRT. That's that, that little white I mean, one got, that I, I mean, I've got from T, uh, T-Link, yeah. TP-Link, right? Yeah. yeah. I know you had two of them. I know. Yeah, I don't know where one of them went. There's one of them that I that I uh, I did put OpenWDDRT, I think, on there. OpenWRT. Yeah, whatever it is. Sorry. But I think I misplaced that one, and I just had the one that I was using for work, or maybe it was the other way around. But I haven't really touched it in a while. Yeah. I mean, they're good in emergencies. Uh, I, I've used mine a couple of times, you know, if I'm going someplace new. I didn't do it here, but, at like, when I go to my parents' house, if I just want the kids' devices to connect, I'll set up that um, MR3040 to look like our home network, and then I'll run an Ethernet cable and a USB cable and hook that to my parents' internet, and voila, the kids are connected. Yeah, I was doing that for work for a while. I've been pleasantly it's a useful. It's a useful item. Yeah, I've been pleasantly impressed with the uh, the hotspot that I that I acquired that Netgear. Forget yeah. the model number. Yeah, yeah, the one you showed me. I, I I remember the one that you were taking out hiking. Yeah, um, and then, you know, that's got me into building some antennas and stuff. Yeah, well, the MR3040, I, um, I I did put OpenWRT on that for a while. It's back to stock firmware now because with OpenWRT on it, uh, it was extremely unstable after I would also go in and install the Easy Tether software so that I could use the USB cable and hook it to my phone, have my phone be the Internet for that, I, I would get all the settings done, and then it just wouldn't restart, and I'd have to do a hard reset on it. Eee. Yeah, so three or four times trying to get the settings on there, and it locking up, and <clears throat> not being able to do anything, and having to start over, and I put the stock firmware back on. Almost sounds like it's a good reason to go out and get a Raspberry Pi. Well, uh, if I wanted, I, I'd just, you know, grab an old netbook and set that up. True. I'm still trying to work on that project for uh, my car entertainment slash right. sign right. receiving suite. Right. I, I've redone it a couple of times just with uh, the Mopedy, and um, uh, you still can't get the Bluetooth pass-through working on the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. Um, what Do you remember if... If it was able to do the Bluetooth pass-through, if you put on an external Bluetooth device? No, you still can't. That's very, very disappointing. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know why. I know with some of the older ones, you were supposedly able to, some of the older versions of Raspbian, you were able to. But with the recent, I don't know, kernel updates, probably, can't do it anymore. Yeah, that, like, split the functionality of it, like, in half. I mean, I... I've hence taken that one pie that I was playing with for my car and replaced it, the Xbox in my bedroom with it, and so I'm watching Netflix and stuff with that. What, on your pie? Yep. Uh, though there's been some hang-ups every now and then with it. Um, well, you didn't used to be able to get Netflix working at all on the pie because you couldn't get um, a proper version of Chrome on the pie. So uh, I'm just curious. How'd you do it? Well, How'd you do it? It does involve Chrome, but um, I'm using a image uh, OSMC, which is a Kodi-based uh, distribution. Ah, right. It's from the XPMC fork. Yeah, okay. And that allows you to add allows you to add Netflix? It does, um, but recently I haven't been able to use the Netflix package that... It has been distributed for Cody. It's not an official one, but um, it the way that OSMC did it, something to do with the the CryptoDome package. You have to go into the actual package itself and edit a line of code before it will install. And if you do that, it won't reinstall or it won't keep the updates. So right now, I, it's kind of bricked, and I need to go and fix that. Ah, uh, cool. No, because that was one of the reasons that I never ended up using it as a proper set-top box was that you couldn't really get Netflix going on it without jumping through some major hoops and setting up a server on another machine to stream Netflix to your pie. Yeah, um, yeah, that was a problem for a while. It does work with Plex, so if you have a Plex Media server set up, uh, that works pretty sim- yeah. seamlessly. Yeah. And then with a little bit of headbanging, you can get the Netflix working. I believe Google made a package of YouTube that works with Kodi and OSMC. And lower-end devices? Because I even have problems with, like, my X120e, my old ThinkPad, giving that to stably use YouTube. Probably true. I haven't bothered using it with the older devices. I mean, like, if it... Of course, this is the only time I've tried to set something up as a entertainment center. But I may keep this image when I start trying to play around with the one for my car, or when I get one for my car, because it is, you know, it's still based off of Linux, and so I can probably throw in some of those packages for using SDR. Yeah. Did you get your ham license, or are you just tinkering? Well, I'm only receiving, so I don't need a ham license. Uh, I do want to eventually get one, ah. because, ah. yeah. Because I do want to get a, um, a software-defined radio transceiver instead of just a receiver. Hmm. Now, granted, I could still probably use that as long as I don't transmit on any of the ham channels or in, just keep it to, like, the CB and the uh, the FRS and the mirrors channels. Cool. I mean, I probably know all the necessary things to get to take the tests, but uh, I've still just been a little apprehensive about actually going out and going to, to test, you know, test for it. One, I have to find one of these ham shacks around here that will actually uh, does the proctoring for it. Right, right. I, I was going to ask: Is there a community around here for that? There, I, I know there's, I know there's bugs around here. 
Yeah, there there is a community. I know that if you if, there's that one occasionally if you drive around like over at the top of Cotton that you can actually find a building for, you know, that's one of the local, you know, ham groups. And there's like two or three. Uh they're from my experience mostly well-seasoned gentlemen who, who uh run those. Cool. Yeah, hamming might be fun around here. And I know that there has to be, you know, a community because there is a ham repeater up on the mountain that's run off of solar. Hmm. One of the local uh, Ingress players tried to make it a portal every time he hikes up there. Hey, um, I'm, re- I'm reading a write-up on the Anet A8, and it's saying it requires a significant amount of mods out of the box, not only for performance improvement, but also for safety purposes. Um, well, mod um, is relatively unmodded um, at okay. the moment, okay. but most, uh, yeah, most reviews that I read that say that yeah, it does require uh, some mods to make it, you know, print uh, to to up the quality of printing to something. I mean, out of the box, it prints decently well. I mean, it's not like you know something that you're gonna. It, it it's functional, the the printing quality, but most of the mods that you can get, you can print yourself. Oh, okay. Um, did you get a MOSFET mod? That's one of the safety ones that uh, Christian has been suggesting, uh, and that is designed. I think that one was to cut off the power to the heating in case uh, something happens where, like, the temperature sensor on either the heating box or the the plate falls off, and the it begins to heat it uncontrollably, and then the whole thing catches fire. That has happened a few on a few people. Ah, yeah. This is suggesting, so suggesting getting a, a MOSFET mod, another power supply unit, and replacing the extruder with something more capable. Did you replace the extruder? I have not replaced the extruder. Neither is Christian. The extruder self, like, it's pretty good so far, I have found. Um, I don't know what they mean by more capable. Maybe because it needs, you know, to, to extrude different filaments. But so far, if you, uh, the all the PLA that I've used... Uh, it, you know, works pretty well. A lot of these reviews may be trying to compare the A8 to, like, you know, one of the, you know, really high-end pro printers. Right, right, right. And that was just one review. And the people doing the reviews generally, you know, have a lot of ex- experience with other printers that I assume right. are that I budget printers. Yeah, I mean, this is a budget printer. From everything that I read, though, it is the best value for a budget printer. If you can... Build it yourself. I mean, put it together, not build it. How difficult was the build for it? It, everything says like eight hours, but it took us like, me, Christian and I took us like two hours, three hours, I think. Okay, you cut now. Okay, you cut now. And that was including us messing up and having to tear some of it down a few times. How long? About four hours. Okay. Um, one of the upgrades that you can't print that is suggested is the fiberglass belts, fiberglass reinforced belts, and that one is a good one because the rubber belts that come with it tend to stretch out really easily, so even if you print yourself a belt tensioner, mm-hmm. it, it just continues to stretch out, and it's, you know, with it's better to get those. Though, I, ha- I have them, Christian gave me some, I haven't put them on yet, and I've been printing with it for a while. Ah, what have you been printing? Mostly little ingress resistant badges, uh, just to, you know, kind of test with, 
Um, I did print a couple of things to, like, I printed that um, little ring to hold the filament that to put in there. I was trying to print out some oh, cool. uh, uh, a cable chain for all the wires and everything on it, but I was still working on figuring out how to tune it properly. So, you know, that kind of fell apart. I think one of the nicest things about it, and some people may not necessarily call it a nice thing, but if you're just learning about 3D printing, it's a good one because there's a lot of things... It, it, there's a lot of ways that you can learn how the process works and learn how to do it right. Yeah, I saw Chris had uh, printed out an entire chess set. Yeah, he did. He's also, uh, well, I think one of his first major projects was is he printed out these little braces to, well, braces, in pieces to, to hold the plexiglass that he was enclosing it in, and he built himself a little enclosure for it. Uh, to keep it at the right temperature like we were talking about earlier? Correct. Did that work for him? It has. I mean, his prints are, are pretty good. They are definitely better than my prints. And I think the only differences that he has is the enclosure. He had the fiberglass belts already, and he printed out uh, the belt tensioners. Ah. And, yeah, there is a definite, definite quality difference between his and mine. I was also still figuring out the settings uh, and I incorporated some of what he had figured out on the settings and was able to get the, the temperature and the, uh, the speed and everything back to something that, that's doing pretty good now. Except for that last print, but that was because I went from PLA to ABS. How does that one do on ABS? Because a lot of the write-ups I've read on that specific printer say stay with PLA. Well, I would definitely say stay with PLA. It's in general easier to work with, uh, for any printer that you get. It requires a lower uh, heating temperature. Uh, it adheres a whole lot easier and stuff like that. But um, I've only printed one thing with ABS, and it was kind of, for lack of a better term, a total failure. Oh, is that what's currently stuck on your uh, plate? Plate? Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not on the, yeah on the extruder or the nozzle itself. It was a big mess. But uh, yeah, that's what's stuck on there. And when I get around to taking that off, I'll. Probably should order the PLA today because I found out that I only had black ABS. Uh, by the time it comes in, that's when I'll get around to taking that big mess off. Is, is it that it didn't get hot enough or what? Or what? So, or maybe it did, or maybe it got too hot or something, but it was printing pretty well, except for the fact that I don't have the actual machine itself leveled. I had the bed leveled to the extruder, but the machine itself might be slightly tilted wrong. But anyway, um, I think it was, yeah, that the plate didn't get warm enough, and the print itself came off of the plate. And that's what caused it to happen, and then since it didn't have anything to adhere to that was within range, it just curled up on top of itself and turned into a big giant spaghetti. I, I firmly believe, though, that if I tinkered around with the settings and maybe had a more adequate environment such as either a heater in the room maybe i should turn on the bitcoin miners that are next to it that might actually work yeah that could do it heat the room nice and warm yeah heat up that room and that will probably make that print come out a whole lot better well i mean by a whole lot better as in actually something successful right well don't they make um electric bed warmers that you could use to keep the bed warm well it is an electric bed warmer uh, it the the hot plate. Uh, I don't know if that's what you're saying. 
Yeah, okay, so the plate does keep itself warm, it just wasn't warm enough. Right. Um, it, it requires about 100, 100 <laughs> to 100 Celsius, and um, it was only getting to about 95, 97. But in the room itself, I mean, I was... It was one of those cold days of the in the past past week, and the heater in my the day my it's house. Not, the day it's- no, it was before that. It was one of the the other cold days before that. But the central heating isn't working in my house at the moment, and so that room was about the temperature slightly warmer than it was outside. Ah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, so it was having trouble keeping that bed warm. I'd see it sometimes pop up to like ninety seven, and then drop back down to ninety six. All right, I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay, I'm back. Nothing has gone on. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't missed it. Uh, we kind of lost the subject to talk about. Uh, well, do you know anybody that would want to buy a couple of Linux tablets? Aside from me? Did you want to buy a couple of my Linux tablets? Maybe. Though no, I just kind of spent all the money I got. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, pay for that uh, 7130 I want to buy. You decided you liked the looks of it, too? Well, the write-up that they did on it was really good, and, you know, like, everything works. It's faster than my other one. Yeah, the battery sucks, but when am I not, you know, close to a power source? Well, and don't most of the battery sucks, and so far I've found that it will last, like, at least two hours. Yeah, and, you know, I'd probably keep the 102 HA, but that still leaves me the Dell Venue Mint machine that I can sell and the um, T100TA. But the T100TA has, um, uh, that bezel's pretty damaged on it. I mean, I replaced the screen, but there isn't a whole lot I can do for the bezel unless I want to replace the whole back, too. Wait, hold on. Which one are you talking about, and which one did you think I got? Hmm? The T100. T100. Okay, now I got the Dell Venue. No, I want to get a Dell Venue, but I want to sell it. I want to sell it. Right. (laughs) I was confused there. Though I did found that the, it does have a micro USB. Uh, charging on there, but unless you're using the one that it that it came with, it does not charge it. Like it will no, maybe slow. No, even if you're using, oh, because you got those um the IntelliCharger ones that will automatically put the proper wattage to it. I think I was using one of those, and it was still not doing it. It was a battery pack. Oh, uh, you were using a quick charge? Yeah, one of the ones with the Qualcomm three on it. I, I guess I could have switched over to the IntelliQuick uh, from the Anchor. Yeah, give that a try. Tell me what happens. Because uh, I know the one that you bought, didn't it come with um, the proprietary charger? It did, which is just a, it's what, not a wall board, but it's a plug with a uh, USB on it, and then you plug that one into it, and it's a micro USB on the other side. I think it's like 57 watts or something. Oof. 57. What, what voltage? Uh, it would be 5. Let me let me go grab it right now and take a look. Yeah. Oh, one of my yeah. right next to me. I was way off on my memory. 24 watts. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, your QC should be able to go up to like 9 volts and lower wattage. But um, your IntelliCharge should control the wattage. And it's, it's just 5 volts... And how many watts did you say? Twenty something. Twenty seven. Twenty something. According to the, uh, the according to the the sticker on the side, that's only two point amps. So I don't know why I was having the problem. Maybe it was I was using a bad cord or something to try and charge it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
two amps, that should be really easy to get to. Yeah, any of my battery packs that I have all put out two amps. At least. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of chargers out there that only do one amps, but they're all going to be mostly your older ones. Right, and I found that most phones that I get nowadays, if I have the screen on... I, the battery's uh, going to drain, battery's gonna drain faster than it charges. Exactly, unless you've got at least a 2.1 amp. Yeah. Though uh, I've been going to that, that Qualcomm Quick Charge 3 on what I can find, and that one will charge my phone up pretty quick. So if your phone will accept it. Yeah. Yeah, I have a couple of the quick charge batteries, the QC3s, and a couple of the chargers. Because a lot of the regular batteries that you get from, like, Walmart and shit just don't do anything for my phone. Oh, yeah. Um, I pretty much have gone almost exclusively with Anchor for my my phone charging needs, if I can. Samsung makes some good batteries. Like, well, uh, like the batteries, the QCs. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I know some of those 18650s are Samsung. Right. I mean, they may not be, I don't know if they're the best brand out there. I'm pretty sure that comes down to people's opinion. But I've been pretty satisfied with not only the uh, the abilities of anchored stuff that I get, but the durability. I am really rough on my stuff. No, the 18650s from Samsung are high-end. What are they, the 24Rs, 25Rs, something like that. I don't remember. Though I wouldn't be surprised if uh, my Anchor battery pack does have one of those Samsung, or a couple of those Samsung 18650s in it. Yeah. I like the way it works, so I'm not going to crack it open and look. Did you pull off the back back panel on that? Yeah, you said you did. You said you looked in there and you saw three M.2 slots. Yeah, I did. Um, What else were you looking for? I did see a battery pack, but I didn't. Oh, the battery pack is removable on it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I saw that in the in the write up on that one page that you had to pull the battery out to do the M2s. It, you don't have to, though. It suggests okay. to do that for okay. safety reasons. I know you, Mister. I'm gonna pull out my video card while it's running. Eh, that was only once. <laughs> once was enough, though, right? Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, when I was fiddling around with those, I did take the battery out. I did notice that the one I got uh, was missing a screw to secure the hard drive in place. Or the SSD. Okay, okay. So, yeah, that's the other thing I was wondering about. If that, uh, if the 128 gigabyte SSD was replaceable, then, you know, go out and grab a frickin' 512 and toss it in there. Yes, it is. It's one of those slim card, uh, ones on there. But I think most of those, like the ones that are designed for the netbooks and whatnot, come in that size. Actually, I think I probably can for the netbook that I hadn't put in. There. I know that there's a two. I know that there's. A... Yeah, but I think that that one twenty eight that's in there is uh, the biggest one I have around at the moment. The one in my my ultrabook or the the HP Stream that I have, I think that's only a thirty two gig. Yes, the struggle is real. No, no, because I considered you know ordering one of those venues and then pulling the hard drive. And then putting another one in and leaving Windows on on the first hard drive in case I ever wanted to switch back for whatever reason. Right, and yeah, that would totally work on this one. Resale or just needed to be on Windows for whatever reason for a short time. Short time. I probably should have done that, but nah. Right. So your brother's not joining? Uh, I haven't heard from him. Okay. Has Chris seen your uh, venue? Um... I don't think so. 
Well, because I know he has the the Pro Eight like I do, and I know he's uh, he he's always been in love with that little beastie. I figured. I figured. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I haven't seen that Pro Eight. I've only seen him lug around his laptop, uh, but that's what usually he does his designing on. I think. Maybe but if I can, maybe get, he doesn't. Either. Yeah, if I can get this venue working right. Oh, that's right. I have seen that Pro Eight. But if I can get this venue working right, it would. Uh, I would pretty much replace my laptop with it, and yeah. maybe even replace yeah. my tablet with it. Well, I'm, I'm not going to replace my gaming laptop, which I also, you know, use as an in-place computer at home. But definitely, my on-the-go has been a convertible, convertible tablet of one type or another for a while now. Yeah, I've been currently without a, a desktop computer and without a gaming computer ever since my son took mine up to Ohio. His broke down right before he left, and I was like, here you go, take mine. <laughs> Though I put all the pieces back together to the one that he said supposedly didn't work, and I just forgot to stick the hard drive in, and it should work. Well, give it a try. Otherwise, like I was saying before, Facebook Marketplace, uh, I was checking out the deals in this area, and, and there's some fairly decent laptops on there. I think there was um what, the Yoga 700... Because I switched back to Allen since we're headed back that way. Yeah, I should probably look into that. I'm, looking, I'm pretty I'm sure looking. there's a lot of equipment nearby that I could tinker around with, play with that I could get off of Facebook yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, I'm a big fan of doing that, just, you know, getting stuff cheap and then tinkering around with it and either turning it back around and reselling it or putting it on a shelf somewhere. Yeah, there's some stuff that I probably need to sell here. Hey, you want to big like 40 inch projection screen projection tv no you want to get rid of a 40 inch projection tv no 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 i just, i have one that's taking up space i i i was getting rid of a foosball table and i told a co-worker yeah come pick it up and he shows up with these two projection tvs and i'm like i don't want those he's like well great you're getting them anyway <laughs> one i finally one of them I finally eventually rolled out to the road, and it disappeared in a couple of days, so I could probably do the same thing to the other one. Yeah, that's the nice thing about this area. You set it out somewhere and put it on the curb, make it obvious you don't want it. Somebody will come by, and they'll want it. Yeah, I got a doghouse like that. Yeah, well, that's how I got that one couch. Yeah, I should really get a new couch. Mine's a bit uh, worn out. And I found out that it's actually the bane of my roommates. He tried to get rid of it three different times, and it kept showing up because the pr he would get someone to get rid of it. Like, he get, got rid of mm -hmm. it, then moved into the person that he got rid of it with, too, so they brought it, and then he convinced them to get rid of it, so I got it, and then he moved in with me, and, yeah, so it keeps showing up regardless of how often he gets rid of it. Horrible. I feel we're kind of bogarting this uh, show today. Yeah, well, nobody else is wanting to jump in yet, so... I mean, if somebody else wanted to talk, they'd start talking. What are you using to vape these days? Oh, I've got this, uh... What's it called? A, a, a drag? It's a 175-watt max instead of my normal 200-watt max, but I, I don't go up that high anyway, you know? Dual 18-650, and then <clears throat> still doing the dripping mods... Yeah, I just went out and got one today. My coworker, uh, he wanted to get one before he took off to on loan again, but he wanted to get one. He didn't want to go online to get one because he didn't want his wife to find out. Uh, well, I know John is 
getting rid of his stuff. If I can get a hold of him today, he might bring it by and just give it to me. <laughs> but I don't think he's on Facebook anymore, so I don't know if I, I don't know if his numbers changed or what. No, but here there's no, that here- um, Lenovo IdeaPad Y700. That's in the local area. I put that in the group chat here. Let me take a look at a couple that. of couple of HP Omens floating around. Oh, what this other one is. Oh, this one's got a 960. Not terrible. Let me send you this one too. Oh, I just lowered myself out of debt, and you want to? I mean, lowered the balance on my credit card, and you start sending me stuff to spend. Well, it's not like you'd be using your credit card on that. <laughs> True. If you're willing to drive to Santa Fe, New Mexico, there's another one of these Y5070s for $270. That's only, what, $200 in gas? Eh, you can see the countryside. True, I am headed up that way in uh, February. Yeah, they might not have it for sale by then. Probably won't have it for sale by then. Most likely not. Still $130 off compared to the one that's for sale local. And, you know, you send them an extra 30 bucks, and you're still saving $100, but you get them to ship it to you. Yeah, but I found I really don't need a gaming computer right now. Yeah. Still, you don't even have a server set up? Oh, no, I've got two servers. Well, those are desktops. Well, true, but they're headless. A, they don't have to be. B, so? True. That's, that's, what, that, that's what your thin client uh, Dell venue is for. Right. Technically, I don't have a desktop set up right now either. I mean, I've got that little um, gigabit bricks running out in the garage because my server died, and so my tower took the place of my server. But, yeah, I mean, I've got my main server, which does the file sharing and the the game serving, which I should probably split off to another computer. And then I've got my other little one, which does all the receiving of the radio traffic and transmits that back out to the Internet. Cool. So you're not gaming at all these days? Not really. I mean, I do some mobile gamings, but they're not, like, gaming games? I don't know. Desktop gaming, okay. Okay. No, I just started playing uh, Watch Dogs, which is pretty fun, and I still play the shit out of some Borderlands too. And started playing some of the Batman stuff, and started playing Skyrim again. And you know, it's Steam sale time until the 3rd. Yeah, I found that I spent way too much time doing those, and I was more productive doing other things. So that's kind yeah. of where yeah. I, why I don't play those games anymore. Oh man, I do miss well, them. You know, I do pick like a day or two here and there, and I'll do three or four or five or six hours. But then, you know, it'll be another week, week and a half before I play again. Right, right, right. I's not saying and that, some, you know, some, anyone does it over excessively, but... And then, you know, sometimes I'll just turn on the quake because um, I'm having a bad day and I just need to shoot the shit out of some things to feel better. Oh, yeah, that's always fun. But, I mean, I have found that I am more of a not voyeuristic gamer. I can't like remember. Watch, are you like watching YouTube of other people playing? Not, well, not YouTube. I'll watch my, like, if I need a gaming fix, I'll watch my roommate. He'll play, uh, some, uh, Overwatch or, um, oh man, what's that one? Rainbow Six Siege. Ah. Uh, well, I don't know. I still enjoy it. Yeah. And I still manage to get time to get my Linuxy stuff in, still do my work, still hang out with my kids, and hit the gym every now and again, and. Occasionally I'll sleep. Occasionally I'll sleep. Oh yeah, that gym thing. I need to do that. Yeah, I don't know how much I'll be going in January. Hate going to the gym in January. Yeah, because you get all those people who are just going to be there for two weeks. Yeah. Should start a bar called New Year's Resolution. 
it's a gym for two weeks and then the rest of the year it's a bar. Yeah, I saw I saw that meme. So when are you going to get back into podcasting? Well, I'm going to try. Well, if if your gaming is now on what was it Saturdays, then start no, jumping that was then start jumping. Huh? That was only this week. Uh, okay. Well, it's back on Wednesdays then. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday's going to be the normal week and then it's yeah. It's actually schedule-wise, that's what worked out for everyone the most, but with uh Christmas the way it fell Wednesday or what was it Wednesday was a no good so they just did Saturday and that's what ended up causing all the problems. Yeah. Okay guys, happy new year from the Netherlands. Happy, 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 new, year. happy new year. Happy new year. We're going to go out and uh, have some fun. Bye. 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 Enjoy. No, well, you could still try out uh, Linux Lugcast which is the first and third Friday of each month. Oh yeah. Um, I should do that. Uh, I'm always horribly forgetful. I can start sending you reminders again. Oh, yeah, that'd be nice. Maybe I'll get uh, Netminer. Uh, Netminer. Netminer's on that show, and so is Honky Magoo, who uh, I haven't heard anything from, but I see that he's on here. And 50 was on earlier. I really need to do a write-up on me, uh, or on the uh, radio server that I built. That would be cool. Yeah, well, you could put that on... Um, Hacker Public Radio, I mean, that's kind of what it's designed for, for anybody to be able to provide content and get it out there. I'll look into that. Do it as a podcast and upload it, and it'll hit my RSS feed. All right, I'm going to take a little break for a while and come back on later. Hopefully we'll get supper with the family out the way, and I'll hit you up. We'll come by, you can show me your tablet. And Chris is going to be at X later, right? At yeah, cost, much later. Cost. Yeah, I'm gonna at some point. I think probably about now. I'm gonna head over to uh, Game Vault and play some board games. Unless you wanted to meet oh. up, and then I can, you know, scratch that. No, because I have no idea what time they're gonna want to go out to the Rincon. And if I'm gone, and if I'm, believe me, I'll never hear the end of it. All right. Well, I mean, if you guys want to play some board games, that's always fun too. Well, I'll talk to them. I think everybody's taking a nap right now. I was going to go join him for a little bit. Are you getting old? I am. I am so old. Ancient. I'm falling apart here, Paul. Yeah, I'm not that far behind you. Yeah. Um, before you go, could, could you, what kind of radios are you serving? Oh, that was Joe who's going to go. As for me, I'm just, um, I'm monitoring the local city police and fire department, and, uh, they are doing, uh, 800 megahertz and 150 megahertz P25 radios. And what are you using for reception? I have five of those 10 to $20 uh, Realtek SDR dongles. Well, I was planning on getting into it, and I didn't know whether I should go go with the SDR or something like uh, the RSP1A. Well, those cheap SDR dongles, I can, I can tell you that they have performed remarkably well for the fact that they're between 10 and $20 a piece. And one of the things, uh, I don't know, if, uh, you know, I since I don't have a ham license, I just do scanning mostly, but one of the benefits of having the SDRs is that compared to, like, regular police scanners, these receive everything and then can just queue it in afterwards as it goes on. What was the other one that you mentioned? RSP-1A. It's a C-note for a single uh, receiving unit. It definitely does have a wider 
range of receiving frequencies than those uh, RTL SDRs. And the 10, hang- 10 megahertz uh, of bandwidth is pretty good, too. Also, they have some things like broadcast notch filtering and stuff that uh, may come in handy. Yes, it definitely was, or definitely would. It That is bit beyond my expertise to use at the moment, but... Uh... Well, I'm in the Boston area, and WBZ 1030 AM can be picked up on everything except perhaps your dental work. Yeah, I wouldn't got the non-metal dental work, but I know what you mean. Well, I'm just saying that, that having a radio that, that has a blocker for that would may make my life easier. Yeah, um, it definitely would. The, the real evil device is the uh, RSB2 line. It has two receivers, completely independent, and three antenna inputs. And that comes in regular and pro. I'm just saying that one is, um, you could get lost. Yeah, I see that. Uh, looking at like 200 for the pro. Yes, well, I'm just saying all the choices you have there is like, you know, uh, gives you a, you could lose yourself in, in SDR land. So what do you usually use, uh, or what do you usually like to listen to, or what would you use that for? Well, one of the things that I'm looking at is is seeing what kind of aircraft band reception I can get. Now, that's interesting. Well, if you follow your hack a day, you can also not only get aircraft voice, but you can get, what do they call it, ADB, which is the aircraft transponder stuff. Yeah, I have been looking into that, the ADB, uh, on the, I think it's 1090 megahertz. Maybe it's 1090 um, the interesting thing is that if you go into ha- hack a day, you don't even have to pick it up. There's what they call, um, virtual radar server. I've thought about actually setting up something like that, uh, with one of the free dongles that I have here, or I could add another one on there. Well, th- there is one where with a little Python, you can get the ADB data and, uh, you don't even have to receive this, the signals locally. Interesting. It's on Hackaday. Yeah, I'll go look at that. I'll, I'm wondering, though, if that has to do with something along the lines of what I do with mine here, where I receive the radio traffic and then I give it to a content provider. It's possible, but I'm just saying you can do, you can, you can figure stuff out. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking about stuff at the moment. The one thing with, with the um, RSP is that I have to think about what I'm going to use for antenna. Yeah, that was actually kind of a big issue with mine. I ended up building my own uh, discone antenna, which surprisingly wasn't all that hard or expensive, though I haven't provided any kind of weatherproofing at all for it. So that may be a needed improvement. Well, what one of the things that I can do here is I'm down in the valley, but I can go to the second floor fairly easily. Yeah, mine is actually on top of my roof. Uh, I have questions about how anything that's not weatherproof to some degree would survive in New England. Yeah, El Paso has significantly less amounts of water than New England. But we get it in such interesting form. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, we get it not only uh, do we get it liquid... We get it solid in several forms, you know, 
sleet, freezing rain, ice, you know, we, you know, not just the rain and snow, we get, we get everything in between. True, true. I'm pretty sure I could put some lacquer or something over the, uh, over everything on it, and that would probably take care of that, but, uh, the last, I actually replaced the last one that I had, which was up there for two years, and it did have a bit of rusting on some of, on some of the inside. But for the most part, it stayed together pretty well. Well, I also have an attic that I can get to with a little work, but that might... That's what that I might have. We, I don't have an attic. Yeah, I was wondering, um, maybe you could tell me how one of those RTL units running off of something like a Raspberry Pi would do as a remote sensor. Well, if you're doing just EDB, the, the reception on that, um, and some regular voice... It would probably work very well as a remote sensor. Uh, what I'm doing is it has to do, or it's, the P25 is a digital trunking protocol, so there's a lot of extra overhead that it has to do, but I've been told that even with the software for that, it still will work on a Raspberry Pi. Well, what I'm thinking is, uh, having, having the Pi and, uh, an RTL act as the radio, and then, since most of the processing I've seen for digital signals, there's a front end, and then it is broadcast. It is processed into some kind of uh, data stream. I would have the data stream processed, perhaps on a secondary machine. Yeah, I've actually see, there's a lot of uh, software out there that is designed around um, remote streaming of uh, these RTL receivers. So I'm I'm thinking that if you set that up that you would have a pretty good experience with that on a Raspberry Pi. Actually, the the one thing that I haven't heard is with a 3B plus, you you have the ability to use power over Ethernet. Really? You need a power over Ethernet hat, but I don't know. It seems like it could power at least an RTL. I don't know if it'll power a full-born RSP. I don't think the RSP would work, but a, a single RTL should work. I have found that if I try and use, like, four RTLs on a hub, it they don't like to work unless it's powered. So a single one should be too much draw for that. Now, under those conditions, uh, things do... You, you do get a uh, sort of uh, cumulative cost, but uh, you might want to think about that for your uh, for your scanner system. I have, and actually that, that concept was something that I was uh, toying around with when I'm, I was going to try and take a Raspberry Pi and replace my car stereo with it, and I wanted to use one of those uh, SDR dongles as the main radio source. That way I, I can listen to AM, FM, listen to, you know, watch some TV. And then, you know, what I usually do is start looking at the local radio, you know, the two-way radios to see what's going on. Though, if I could get a Raspberry Pi set up and in the and find a place to put that on top of the mountain via solar power, that might be an interesting little project. Probably would run me about a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars. Hello, Claudio. Hey, how's it going? Well, it's a little quiet right now, but folks come in and out. 
Yeah, I'm just kind of here waiting before everything starts up here at the at our place. Uh, just watching the um, this video on uh, Doom uh, by Retro Ahoy. So I just heard you uh, pop up there, so I figured I'd just uh, answer the call. Well, I've just been waiting for folks to come in and been listening to some other stuff on the side. Yeah, I hear you. Just uh, while I'm watching this, I'm just enjoying myself uh, a pre-New Year's Eve uh, get-together beer, having a uh, George Killian's Irish Red. Well, that sounds like a real beer, not a lot of the junk that's uh, served around here. I'm in the Boston area. I see. Yeah, no, I'm down in Miami. So, uh, weather's kind of warm here, but uh, not too bad. It's kind of nice outside, so we're planning on doing a little barbecue. My cousin's coming over. Uh, it's my sister, my niece, my dad. So, we're going to do a little barbecue here and kind of eat outside since the weather's nice. Well, we're having a little rainstorm here. It's about 36 degrees. Let me see what the weather's like here. I know it's not that cold <laughs> uh, around here. So it's probably down like... Probably in the 70s. Yeah, well, I'm sure. yeah, well, I'm sure. yeah, it's 75 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's 24 degrees Celsius. So who else we got here on the uh, on the live stream? Well, I'm Paul from El Paso. Uh, Joe brought me in. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Pretty well. I'll be here in and out uh, as the night goes. Yeah, pretty much the same here. I uh, just have it there in case... Uh, Anything picks up. I'm on uh, Plumble on my phone right now, so it's connecting that way. I was on it earlier this morning, uh, talking to 5150 and uh, a couple other people, so... And I've just been listening here and there. Yeah, Plumble's pretty much the only way I connect these days. Yeah, it's a, it's more convenient considering you don't have to pull out a microphone or a headset or whatnot with, uh, you know, in case you, you want to use your mobile client. And plus, it's easier with a phone than it is with a laptop or a desktop. Kind of easier to get around. Before I forget it, uh, Paul, thank you for all, all the SDR tips. Uh, whatever whatever uh, receiving module I get, your tips will be priceless. Oh, you're most welcome. I'm thinking of going with a high-low mix, the uh, RSP for general coverage, and then the, uh, the other dongles, the RTLs, or something like that for, um, you know, different hacks so any of you on uh some sort of federated uh social network like mastodon or something like that no i've been interested in moving into one of those though i'm actually digging it uh i did so what about maybe a month ago and uh it's been pretty good a lot of uh, interesting interactions uh and it's interesting how it all works together too um i guess the closest thing you can think about it think of it is like kind of the way email works where you can have your own email address at a particular domain and someone else, and y'all can y'all can communicate with one another. It's very similar, although it's more like a very Twitter-like interface, um, but still very interesting. I should really look into that. I've been known to say things that are not exactly politically correct often. Oh, trust me, you'll find everything on on the, on the Fediverse, <laughs> on the Federated Universe. Yeah, both me and my brother end up in uh, Facebook jail kind of, you know, more frequently than we prefer. What is this Facebook you speak of? <laughs> Good answer. I have avoided Facebook uh, being infected by Facebook. Yeah, uh, earlier this year, um, well, actually, I should say later this year, it's probably like 
couple of months uh, before the end of the year, uh, don't remember exactly when, I decided to log on to my uh, original account that I had from years ago. I said, let me give it a try. Because uh, I said, you know, maybe I can access my pictures or whatever from before and and and, and kind of download it in some way. And scary enough, I was, st- it was, I was still able to log into my old account. So it's been deactivated for I don't know how many years. And then, uh, yeah, the, the, it was nice to see the, um, how trivial it was to download all the pictures and the data. And, uh, yeah, I grabbed all of that and then I closed it up again. Where would you say the starting point is to get into, you know, the federated universe? I think the main site is uh, joinmastodon.org, and from there you're given a bunch of uh, different instances that uh, you can look at and see if they pique your interest, and then just join in. And my understanding is you have the ability to host your own at some point, correct? Yes, you can host your own. Um, it's uh, open source. So yeah, you can host your own and create your own instance, and if you want, you can have other people on there, uh, or have it just be you. And it will um, it will uh, federate with all the other instances out there. Yeah, I really do need to look more into that. That sounds like it has a whole host of opportunities. And it definitely looks like this has uh, the more of a possibility of uh, getting, I guess, getting more popular compared to the stuff from before. Because I used to be on Identica, and then that changed. They kind of tried to make it more Facebook-like, and I didn't like it. And I think just it went kind of downhill from there. Um, I like the format of how Identica was back in the day. Uh, it was very Twitter-ish. Um, and this kind of goes back to that, although it's 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 a little bit different from Twitter, but it kind of has that feel of Twitter. Where you're dispensing thoughts in 35 characters a, a piece? 350, sorry. Well, actually, I guess it depends on the instance. This one instance that I'm on is uh, mastodon.xyz. Uh, or X, Y, Z, as they would say in other places. Um, this one has uh, a minimum, I mean, a, a limit of 500. Out of curiosity, is there a lot of background noise from my end? Not really. If there's probably background noise, I'm betting it's on my end. All right, just curious, because I have my uh, my uh, tower right here next to me, and the fans are a little loud. I mean, you can kind of hear a little bit in the background, but it doesn't sound any more than, you know, everyone else. Gotcha. Yeah, because I'm uh, currently charging my phone, so it's right near it. So you, you'll you hear it in the background. Otherwise, I'd have it pulled away a bit. What are these phones you speak of? Come on, you can't tell me you're not using a phone. Yeah, I got one here with, with a dial right next to my computer keyboard. You mean those newfangled things? Please. Well, yes, but it's interesting when I call... Uh, some call some people, they uh, say, well, let me send you a picture. I said, sorry, this phone does not have picture capability. So how do you have that phone set up, or is it connected to an actual landline? Yeah, at the moment, it's actually set down in, in its little cradle. Landline, DSL, you know, the usual. Cool. Yeah, no, I've been seeing some people using, uh, and I think Sigflup actually recorded a couple of, uh, well, I think one HPR episode where she had connected uh, an analog phone uh, to a uh, VoIP setup that uh, she had, had uh, been working on. Well, back in, in the midst of time when I was doing security, 
I read about this. Uh, they were using cordless phones hooked to a box on a on a yacht that did uh, cellular connections. So you have a wireless phone talking to a box that talks to the cellular network. Oh, cool. So it was it was it some sort of uh, how was that all set up? A conversion box of some sort, or what they had was a box that that your uh, ordinary phone jacks on on your yacht or vessel of choice. It made those uh, outlets seem just like they were going to be dialing a regular phone, and they recommended cordless phones as they were easily replaceable and they didn't you didn't have a cord to to run around. Also, it meant that uh, if you drop something overboard, it wasn't a very expensive cellular phone. It was, you know, a $50 Polish job. Gotcha. Yeah, I was looking up the episode that Sigflub did, and it's HPR 2627, uh, entitled Home Phone Setup. Well, since all of my network so far is hardwired, I love whether plain old telephone or Ethernet. I'll have to think about that, but it sounds like a doability. I've been thinking about getting some kind of Wi-Fi-only phone or uh, tablet. I remember back in the day, I was interested in um, all that um, in setting up something with the asterisk, um, but I just never got around to it. And now, at this point, I don't know. It must be my my age or something. I just uh, don't have the patience for it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I will at some point. Who knows? I'm really not that familiar with asterisk and stuff, but uh, especially since because I'm on DSL, I have to keep a landline anyway. Right, right. Yeah, I don't. I I used to be. I used to have a landline ages ago, and I was always a a proponent for it. I always said, you know, you got to have at least a landline to just in case of emergencies or whatever. But it's just gotten to the point where even that's going away and and uh, I'm just—it's basically my cell phone. I'm just living off of that right now. Yeah, I understand how most people do. Uh, again, my landline with the usual bells and whistles is about all I can afford. Gotcha. Now, uh, with Mastodon, if you set up a server, does that mean you have to have a twenty-four-seven uh, instance running? To be honest, I don't know exactly, uh, but I don't think so. I think if it's just you, it's you know if it's if you're the only person that's going to be on on your own instance, then I don't really think it's necessary. Now, if you start hosting other people, then yeah, you you may have to, and just, you may get questions from your from uh, your users saying, "Hey, uh, how come I can't access my my account on this instance?" Well, I I have some reluctance. To run anything that uh, that has to have an open front to the world. No, I understand. I mean, if that's the case, then you can always join one of the other instances. That's what I did. I don't have one set up on any of my machines. I just joined one that was out there. Uh, I looked at the ones that were out there, and uh, I just picked the X, the .xyz one because I knew that's where not Klaatu, or Klaatu, I should say, was on. So I said, hey, why not? There is a main one, which is mastodon.social, but everyone signs up to that one. So they usually say try to get, try to go into one that's um, that's not as overloaded. By the way, uh, how would you find what topics are on Mastodon? I have I have uh, specific interest in Ashburgers and uh, 
autistic spectrum disorders? That's a good question. Um, I would start with the joinmastodon.org site. Uh, I think they, they, you're allowed to search, I think. Um, there's, there's a section, I'm looking at it now, where if you go to, you scroll down and there's a sign up section and there's a drop down that says, I am an artist, musician, a writer, whatever. Um, and then there's, uh, a second drop down that, uh, asks what language you speak um, I think there might be another way to search uh, for one specifically but I haven't even gone that far I just kind of they have a list um, that you can look at right underneath those drop downs and they give a description like there's one that's the bsd.network instance which is uh, it, it's uh, specifically bsd centric uh, there's another one for witchcraft.cafe which I guess is about that um Another one, anarchism.space. Uh, there's a linuxrocks.online. Uh, there's other ones that uh, I guess you can look at. I'm not going to bring them up here. Uh, but, uh, you know, you can just take a look at the list and see which one interests you. Yeah, well, I'm interested in many things, from firearms to, uh, as I said, autistic spectrum stuff. Um, well, um you could see the nice. The, I haven't tried this yet. Um, I don't think I will need to. But you can actually migrate your account from one instance to another if if you feel you need to change. Like for example, if you feel that the I don't know. I guess the the topic or the subject matter isn't to your to your taste. You can always take your account along with everything. And I believe all the users that you, all the followers you have and those you're following. You can take them with you over to another instance um, and just continue on from there. Okay, so it, it sounds like, um, how would this compare to old school IRC? I'm familiar with that, but I haven't done anything more modern than that. It's it's hard to tell because I guess, I don't know if IRC, I mean, I don't, I don't know IRC enough to know if you can uh, communicate with other servers uh that I don't know, because I know I'm on Freenode, I'm on a few other uh, uh, IRC servers uh, with the same account, but I, that's because I've created accounts on each. But as far as um, their interconnectivity with one another, I don't know if that's even possible. I could be wrong. I hope someone comes on and corrects me. Um, but I know you can, I know that the, the Mastodon instances tend to be... Um, quite integrated uh it's almost it's very mesh like so you can you know you kind of it can move it's easier to move from one to the other and keeping all your stuff um but like i said i haven't tried this so this is all in theory that's <laughs> from what i've read um now there are generic uh instances that you can get on uh there are specific ones that you know they're particular subject matter um Either way, everyone sees it because the way it's set up, it's I believe it's kind of like TweetDeck, the interface, the web interface. So on one column you have the timeline of the people that you're following, uh, and you see the stuff there. On the second one you have your notifications. On the one after that you have the timeline for that for for the accounts on that instance, and then the last column shows the federated instance. So you see a timeline from all the instances. It kind of goes by a bit fast. Uh, so if you were to join, let's say mastodon.social, and then you were to put out that question out there, uh, about an instance that, the instance that you're interested in, 
someone will see it and someone will respond and probably let you know that there's one out there. Uh, again, I can't say this is exactly what will happen, but that's a theory. Well, I think before I join anything, I have to learn a little more about how, how such things work. I mean, I don't even tweet. Yeah, it took a little bit for me to wrap my head around this, but uh, it kind of clicks. Um, it's actually way better than, than what Twitter is, because Twitter is all centralized. And this is completely decentralized. So, like I said, I think the closest description would be email. Uh, you can email, I have a Gmail account, and I can email someone with a Yahoo account, Yahoo email account. So, it kind of works in that way. So, I can follow someone in a different instance, and they can see it, and if they choose to follow me, they can do so. And then they'll see whatever I post on the timeline, and I'll see whatever they post on the timeline, even though we're on different servers. Yeah, again, I, I think I need to study up, but, uh, and, and these are short message, messages, uh, that you send? They can be. I know in the instance that I'm on, uh, the limit is 500 characters. So it can be quite long, uh, just not extremely long. Yeah, it sounds like a sentence or a paragraph. Yeah, pretty much. But definitely more than what used to be the case with Identica or with, uh, or with Twitter. I don't know what the limit is on Twitter because I haven't had a Twitter account in forever. Uh, so I don't know. I haven't kept up with Twitter. All right, well, I'm going to lurk here for a little bit, and uh, in about maybe 20 minutes I'll be signing off. Uh, if I'm not back on, I hope you all have a happy, very happy new year uh, and a safe Richard, one. Same to you. Thank you very much. This, this has opened a new area for me to look into. I'm glad I could help. Have a good one. What did I miss, Nat? We were talking about uh, Mastodon, how that works, and what the possibilities are. Uh, since I'm not really uh, aware of how Twitter and such things are used, I, I need to study a bit more before I can consider jumping into that pool. Okay, cool. Well, if anyone's interested, I'm at Claudio M at Mastodon.xyz, so... There you go. Have a good one, everyone. You too. Well, if you, uh, yeah, I, I do need to look for some more Ashburger's resources. Uh, apologies if I get into a ratchet job because that's tends to sometimes that that's what happens when my Ashby side get, gets rolling. Anybody else been on that I've missed? Not really. We've uh, been pretty quiet. Um. Um. The Tilts guys were supposed to be on today. I just haven't really seen any of them. Thanks, Archer, for the uh, for the link. Hey, Paul, you're back. Kind of, sort of, we're eating. I dropped off when I went off my Wi-Fi. Yeah, I saw you uh, ended up back in the lounge, so I knew you, you were off, off. Paul, thanks for your help. Uh, apologies if I get to be a little bit of a wretched jaw. It's, uh, it's part of the Ashby thing. But you've been very helpful. Yeah, no, um, I'm very appreciative to be out there. Sorry, I was kind of ordering food. No. Uh, hello. I didn't know if, hello. I didn't know if we were doing like a, a silence thing for splitting up the uh, episodes or, or what there. He got kind of quiet for a while. Hey, that mine? Yes. I wasn't sure about Mastodon at first either. I only started in January. You got clipped off. Oh, I just said I just started in January, and I just wasn't sure about what I was doing at first either, but 
uh, having Klaatu there helped a little because I could bounce uh, my post off of him too. Yeah, well, I don't follow as many podcasts as I used to, but I followed Klaatu back in the day. He's good people. I listened when he was in the Bad Apples, and then he switched over to that uh, New World or Gnu World Order. Yeah, I remembered the Gnu World. Well, he's still doing it, and it's, he has some pretty good series going. Yeah, that's one reason why I want to get either a phone or a tablet so I can do podcasts, uh, listen to podcasts and stuff like that. Do you listen at normal speed, or do you speed it up a little? I used to listen at normal speed, but I haven't listened to podcasts, um, or at least downloaded podcasts. I've been making my own with the, with our friends on Linux Lugcast, but uh, yeah, I, I may try speeding it up uh, again. What little I knew about podcast podcatchers has faded over the not using them for a couple years. The one I use is called Podcast Addict. It's uh, has I don't know how it, it goes up to about three speed, but I only do it at about one point six. Well, I've been doing YouTube, and I do that up to two sometimes on audio but 1.5 or or 6 would probably be more reasonable also my library has got itself a new digital media system that I have to explore supposed to be more browser friendly and whatnot the previous generation was uh, strictly Windows or Mac or Android good evening hey Netminer what's up oh we're having a quiet evening on, you know, HPR. Reminds me of my youth. I thought your youth was anything but. Well, does the term silent majority ring any bells? Yeah, we've been pretty quiet for a lot of the time I've been out here. But usually, perhaps except when I'm running my jaw, things have been very helpful and very smart. Well, they're usually very helpful and very smart. So I had just gotten... Uh, one of those rolls of uh, LED lights that I was going to put around my desk. And I thought it was, you're supposed to peel one side of it, and it's supposed to be sticky, and you can just kind of stick them onto things. But it doesn't feel that way. It feels like the, the, the other part that you're peeling off is the sticky part, but that doesn't help you because then you can't stick it to anything. I'm in a bit of conundrum here. Well, that sounds like a job for Velcro or double-sided tape. Right? At this point, I think I'm just going to kind of strain it like a stinger of lights at this point. What do you need to power such a strip of light, lights, or does it come with a power ward? Uh, it comes with a... This one has a dimmer to it. It's a 12-volt uh, uh, power supply. Speaking of strings of lights in the season and all, if you can find things that use... Uh, what is incandescent Christmas tree bulbs or similar lights. There is a 40-watt chandelier bulb that will fit those sockets, and it's LED-powered, so it uses less energy than the Christmas tree bulb you're replacing. Good to know. This also means you can take most of the incandescent night lights and turn them into real light. This may be a job for a staple gun. Yes, uh... You may want to look around to see if you can get one of those used for, like, telephone line, where it's designed to staple a uh, a cable. 
Yeah, that's true. That's probably the safest way to go. Is something uh, one of those uh, the larger type staples. Well, the th- the thing is that the ones that I've got here, I think I've got one somewhere around the house. Uh, they don't try to flatten the staple. They leave a U shape. Oh, uh, I haven't tried putting any of those LED uh, candelabra lights into a Christmas tree wiring harness light wiring harness but if I can find a short one around here I may try that sounds like an interesting way of getting a lot of long term uh, light yeah it sounds like a cool idea though if I try to do it I will probably try to find a uh, supplier where I can get them at at a somewhat better rate than the local hardware store yeah local Menards I'm in the Northeast, in the Boston area, I, I've heard of Menards, but I don't know of one. If there's a place similar to that, then you can get uh, good lights, LED lights, after the season. What is well, your local hardware? My local hardware, well, I have a very local hardware that uh, that I believe is tr- true value. and uh, But then again, I have big box stores like uh, Home Depot here and some surplus stores like there's an ocean state job lot and whatnot did i hear like right that you wanted the candelabra style ones on no what i yes what i the candelabra rather the yeah yeah the uh the lights that are usually used on a candelabra the small base uh will also screw into your christmas tree type sockets those would be the same size that you put in say a nightlight Yes, that that's the kind of thing. The candelabra bulbs are a little bigger physically, so they may or may not fit your night lights. But you get 40 watts with a far lower energy budget. Well, hopefully, you can find them in bulk because we found two for five dollars. It was it can get pretty pricey at that rate. Yeah, that's why I've only put them in the original. Well, I've picked up a few of the uh, single candle equivalent christmas lights and uh that's what i'm using right now i haven't gone either to the night lights or to a string of christmas tree bulbs yeah i think i'm gonna have to go with either double-sided tape or some metal fasteners something to hold these things up like you're right like the staple gun idea is gonna be uh gonna be a bad idea well you can also pick up uh the kind of uh stuff you use to to mount uh, coaxial cable. You don't want those things that are like uh, screws with little arms on them? Well, I'm thinking of a loop that has a tack on one side. Yeah, I think we're thinking of the exact same thing. Yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Either something like that or the double-sided tape. I think the double-sided tape would give me the cleanest look, but the problem is I think just the way that this, that how old this uh, desk is and stuff that I'm trying to put stuff on, I mean, I I can clean it and clean it and clean it, but I'm not sure how well that double-sided tape is going to stick to it and stay stuck to it. That would be my one concern. Now, how good is your job lot? Would the, would your job lot have something like that? I don't know. I um I haven't gone there uh in a while. It's not exactly in the most convenient location for public transportation. They seem to have uh, located it exactly between two subway stops. Now. So are you are you relatively close to Braintree then? Yes, I'm close. To, well, 
yeah, I'm close to Braintree, Quincy, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm along that s- section of the South Shore. Hello, everyone. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Good, how are you? Yeah, can't complain. A little bit drunk, a little bit tired. What have everyone been talking about then? At the moment, just kind of rambling about uh, trying to hang some uh, strip LED lights. Nothing really fancy or technical. Oh, yeah. Hang them where? Uh, oh, uh, inside my desk area. I got kind of a little step area here. I was just going to hang it so it kind of hung underneath the desk, the uh, the top lip, and kind of shown on the bottom part where all of my computers and most of the stuff is. And It's long enough. It's a, like a 16... 16- uh, things so it can run all the way across down to the other end where my 3D printer is because right now I have two um, I have two big honking um, fluorescent lights that hang so I got one that's a well it's a, one's a smaller one that hangs right over the desk area and uh, another big one that hangs over by my um, where the 3D printer is almost like a little workbench area and what I wanted to do was I bought this uh, this strip of LED lights that I wanted to basically just run from one end to the other just to give some uh, more light to uh, my computer and workbench area, and I bought it under the assumption that when you that they always shows that you can kind of peel the back side of it, and it's supposed to be able to stick. But uh, when you peel the back side, it just it, it doesn't stick at all. That's the the sticky part is on like the black the uh, the gray side that you're peeling off, not on the side that actually is supposed to you know where the lights are. So we're just going back and forth in different ways to uh, be able to tack these things up and whatnot. All right, because in my experience of that, um, it is sticky, but it's not as sticky as you want it to be. And you can get a specific rail with it that um, is kind of nice and flat and it sticks to perfectly. Because if you try and stick it to wood or MDF or something like that, it just generally isn't going to want to stick properly. But if you get the specific rail for it, then it generally sticks pretty nicely, I've found, although not forever um yeah otherwise you need to get some really strong double-sided tape or something for it we were talking about getting something uh kind of like what they use to hang like coax or um cat5 cable one of those things where it's got the tack on it and like a hook yeah um cable clip basically you, you sort of like um fp clips i think we call them here um it's like fp 100 or something like that yeah we i think i saw a couple of uh packs with uh, the some of the things, the uh, the strips of lights that came with uh, like four or five of them or something like that. I think I'm going to need a lot more than that, but uh, we figure that that's probably the best way to go to try to hang these things. I once found these um, adhesive clips that are just the most adhesive in the world. You stick them on and you're pulling paint off if you try and pull it off. You know, you get one go to stick it where you need to stick it. Um, and then it's just kind of very soft aluminium um and you can just kind of bend it round whatever you're clipping and then you can get them in various sizes so that's what i would be looking for probably that's the easiest thing to do do you remember the name of them or maybe have a link no i don't actually um i i just got some from a hardware store one time and and i had a, a cable like a, a, a telecom cable i think it was a phone cable that i needed to clip up and um yeah the just the, the guy suggested those to me and they worked brilliantly but uh, except for, as I said, if you got one in the wrong place, then it just pulls the paint off because it's so sticky. And that was several years ago, and it's, it's absolutely fine now. Uh, I'll have a quick look now, see if I can find it. Thank you. Even a bookworm. Okay, that uh, is what it looks like. Oh, I, I didn't take the width equals off the uh, link, but I've put that in the channel there. They're exactly what I was 
using for mine. I, I presume you can get them in different sizes. The ones I got were just perfect for the cable that I had. But the clip part is super soft and you can just bend it exactly how you want it. So you just kind of curl it round the cable in this case. But depending on the diameter of the LEDs that you want to clip up, maybe, I mean, because this thing is probably, I don't know, um, trying to translate into inches here, like maybe half to three quarters of an inch long each one. I think there's um, what, uh, five in the row there, two, two sets of five in there. So you can probably get one that's like a couple inches long and maybe, I don't know, three quarters of an inch wide that might do the job for you. That looks awesome. Yeah, they're surprisingly expensive, though. Uh, I mean, you're not talking... Good. You're not talking hundreds of dollars or whatever, but you know, for such right. a simple thing, it's it's sort of surprisingly expensive. Like, I don't know, for for a box of them to do what I needed to do, it's sort of ten quid or something. One thing that I used to use for mounting uh, USB hubs was uh, double-sided 3M uh, squares. You could get that were uh, they were available even like at a CVS or any kind of. Uh, uh, what would you call it, uh, millinery department in your stores, you know, crafts or whatever, sewing and stuff. Yeah, and again, you only get one go with those. If you stick it wrong, then it's pulling paint off. Well, I'm not really worried about it with this desk. There's nothing, no good paint here anywhere. Or you could try and construct something a bit more elaborate with uh, some wood and screws and stuff. Because one thing that's really nice with those LED strips is to not actually see the source of the light. Um, because it can be really dazzling and, you know, blinding almost. Whereas if you put a bit of wood downstand in front of it, then you only see the kind of result of the light reflecting off the desk and, you know, the surrounding area. So you're not actually looking at the light source itself. No, I'm definitely going for more for function than I am for uh, aesthetics. So this... Yeah, but, yeah. Go ahead. With a um, fluorescent, it's a very even light across the length of it. Whereas with these LED strips, it's so many millimeters or so many inches, <clears throat> um, you get each point of light on it. And, um, that means that it can, it, rather than being just one constant, you know, across the length of it light, you get these kind of spots. And that's why, um, you know, if, if you don't see the source of it, then it's not too bad. But if you, if it's there staring at you, then you've got all these points of light rather than this kind of continuous bar of light. Right. I know what you're saying. Sounds like two strips side by side might also be a nice lighting effect so that instead of just having the individuals, you you could space it so that uh, where there was a gap there, in one strip, there would be an LED in the other. Well, that's the thing, that depending on the quality of the LED strip that you get, um, the, the, the higher quality and the more expensive it's going to be, the um, higher the density of the LEDs along that strip art. And if you go for the really super expensive one, then they're so close that you don't notice it. Whereas if you go for the super cheap, like cheapest on Amazon one, then they're going to be, you know, potentially an inch or more apart. And that's when you're really going to notice that the it's several lights rather than one continuous one. All right, guys, I'm going to drop off for, for a little bit. Thank you for all your help. Uh, I'll hopefully be back on a little bit later. Yeah, no worries. So what else is going on then? What else have been uh, people been talking about? Oh, let's see. Uh, Mastodon messaging systems, software-defined radio, uh, 3D printers. Well, it is New Year, so should we do some predictions, maybe? Well, I'm coming from the USA, and uh, 
The only prediction that I'd care to make is that the government will be cocked up. <laughs> yeah, what's going on with that shutdown? Is that still going on then? I don't know. In a couple of days, if my check doesn't come in, I will probably find out. I saw quite a funny thing floating around, um, and it was I think it was like a flowchart thing that said, uh, are you still pay- paying your taxes? Um, you know, And if you are, then the government hasn't shut down. Because it's kind of a funny way to say it, that it's a government shutdown, because it's not really, because essential things are still running, but that it's just stuff like parks and stuff that don't run, right? Well, also, who defines essential? Well, indeed. But as I've spoken to, uh, uh, to a relative, uh, trying to put effective frontiers on the U.S. is um, a non-trivial problem. Yeah, it's quite a long border, isn't it? Yes, not only that, but uh, the people that know how to put up such borders are currently unemployed Eastern Europeans. It can't be that hard to build a wall. I mean, politics aside, surely it's just a pretty basic construction project if you've got enough money to actually do it. Yes, you can put up a wall. Now, however, a wall that will stop the kind of pressure, the economic pressure you have, uh, would require East German expertise. Surely you could just contract that, though, right? Yes, but where are you going to contract the soldiers to man it? Don't you have the biggest military in the world? But we don't have it deployed domestically. Well, I thought he was pulling out of foreign countries. Well, the thing about it is that, that with the economic pressures, it's been rather put-and-take fishing. I'm not sure what that means. That must be an American phrase. Well, there are places where they stock streams and ponds and whatnot, and people fish them out, and then they put some more back. All right, yeah. So what happens when we catch somebody crossing the border? We deport them to Mexico. What does he do? He comes across the border again. Yes, it almost seems like solving the problems that cause people to want to do that in the first place might be a better use of funds than building a giant wall. But then your president likes to... uh, Well, he tends to favor the simplistic solution rather than the nuanced one. Well, there is something that people talk about um, uh, that people don't talk about. There is is a problem with American immigration and deportation systems. What's that problem? Deportation only works if the country you're deporting them to wants the people back. But surely with the um, political and military might of America they don't have much choice but to take the people back. Well, I know that there are some people who have, let's say, petty criminals or whatnot who are who would be deported to other countries. I'm not specifying because it's, it's a fairly broad topic. And these people are caught in a catch-22. They are in uh, immigration holding, but their countries don't want them back because they've got a criminal record or whatnot. Right, is this the um, children in cages thing that I've heard about? Uh, that, I've heard that that actually dates to the Obama administration, but I I don't know that source. Yeah, I've only heard things on the internet about that, really. I don't, um, don't know much about it. The problem that we've had is because of the immigration regulations being rather straightforward, uh... There have been liberal administrations that have gave uh, executive exemptions. So when somebody starts reinforcing the the actual regulations, they think 
it looks mean. I see. Um, just a quick question. Um, am I coming in distorted, um, or do I sound okay? Because I've changed my audio setup recently over the last couple of days. Well, it sounds fine. Okay, great. Ah, I was just test- testing in Audacity, and I'd um, been messing with the levels into Audacity. That's why I thought um, it was distorting, but presumably I'd sound completely... Well, I don't sound any different from how I did before I just changed the level, just there. Well, it's going through my headphones just fine. I don't know about... Yeah, okay, it was just because I changed something just now, but that was only... Um, this is Pulse Audio for you. It's it's very confusing. Um I was changing the level into Audacity because I, I've been messing around with a, a new audio setup. I want to go back to my original setup, um, and I had tweaked some levels, but hopefully now everything is all good because it's looking good in Audacity. I'm just doing a test recording, which I'll get rid of once I'm finished uh, talking now. But, yeah, otherwise, sorry sorry to uh, drag it off topic. Um, I see. It's um, it's a thorny issue, isn't it, the, the whole immigration situation? And... Um, I, it, it seems very easy to blame Trump. I mean, it's, it's easy to blame the current government in any situation for serious problems that arise when in reality that current government may well have inherited those problems from previous ones. Yeah. Well, there are immigration is something that the Congress has blustered about, but has not really touched. I knew someone who was married to a lady from Brazil. And this gentleman was having a heck of a time getting permission to bring her to the United States legally, married to an American citizen. Don't you normally get a green card or something in that situation? Well, yes. And I know that there are certain, including sensitive positions, I have heard um, in, let's say, certain international airports in the Boston area where the contractor through political connections, has been able to get visas for people from the Middle East rather easier than the average show can get visas for people. Well, that's just greasing the right palms and corruption, essentially. And, of course, an international airport is not a, an area where you have to worry about security. But, <laughs> yeah. Yes. And uh, if you believe that, I've got a slightly used one on the South Shore to sell you. But, of course, any institution is made up of people, and people generally have a price. I think that's what's um, what's interesting. Certainly in this country, we see um, other countries around the world, in Africa and, and Asia and Russia and things, and we and South America particularly, we, we consider them to be corrupt, where everything is um, what we call backhanders, you know, um, bribes and stuff like that. Whereas the 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 more i've grown up as it were and and seen how things actually work in the real world i think it is incredibly hypocritical of us in in the uk to consider these despot countries or whatever to be really corrupt because corruption is just everywhere it's just almost part of human nature to be corrupt and i think well, that we just do a better job of hiding it well i i really wonder at the uh at somebody who's actually looked at the Patriot Act, which was rather a serious knee-jerk reaction, perhaps with the capital jerk, uh, after 9-11. What aspects of it in particular? Secret courts, detention without, for national security reasons. Uh, remember that guy who was running an email system? Um, he couldn't even tell his lawyer what he'd been charged with. 
Really? I'd not heard about that. I mean, obviously, I know about Guantanamo, which I believe is still open and still um, detaining people for, you know, we're talking over a decade without charge. Well, also, even I understand the uh, the problems we had in uh, El Gareb or whatever over in the Middle East was an interesting question. The detention facility was not producing information, probably because the prisoners were low-grade, just gathered up from anywhere, and who knows how many set scores were settled by somebody saying, by the way, that guy over there is is deep in the administration, the former administration or whatnot. So some people with lots of authority and no names came in and took over. Well, yeah, my understanding um, is that a lot of the people who ended up in Guantanamo were effectively innocent and just people didn't like them or whatever and, and just informed on them to the American authorities. And then they just get locked up there as enemy combatants without trial and, um, you know, without access to basic human rights, basically. And that, um, you know, is, is a bit of a scar on America's, um, well, uh, public image. And I, I remember very, very shortly after Barack Obama was elected, he promised to close down Guantanamo. And I, I don't know whether he did his best to do so. And, uh, you know, I know that it's not a simple case of, you know, you're not elected president and then suddenly you become a dictator who can do anything he wants or she wants potentially. But he wasn't able to do that or wasn't willing or well, he certainly didn't deliver on that promise. And it doesn't look like Trump has any inclination to do so. And he's got, what, six years left by the looks of things. So it's it's going to end up being, you know, uh, 20, 25 years potentially that some of the people who will have been there before we get another president who might actually sort that out. And it just seems, well, it just, just seems like an embarrassment really. And it's, it's funny that the, the way the, the news cycle works is that everybody gets incredibly interested in one story, usually something of limited consequence, but extreme outrage. And that, last for 24 to 48 hours and it's just this incredible thing and then suddenly the news moves on and this serious issue of Guantanamo and and probably lots of others that I don't know about just get buried by all this sort of almost inflated made-up outrage and and yet here we are um you know it, it was shortly after 9-11 that um that Guantanamo started to detain people without trial and there are still people there now, almost 20 years on, you know, over 15 years on. And it just seems absolutely outrageous to me that Americans will stand for that and not stand up and say, hang on, this just doesn't, you know, make sense. If there's people there, let's try them. Let's, uh, you know, let, let's have some due process. Well, remember when America was all about the right to privacy? Now the government says, yeah, you can have privacy, but we need a key key to your back door so that you can't be too private national security don't you know well i think that it's fair enough for a country to take national security very very seriously and you would expect any country that has military and infrastructure and all the rest of it to to do so and to take it you know incredibly seriously to try and look after the population but it's very very easy for laws to be passed that are ostensibly 
to look after the population, especially in a knee-jerk reaction to something like 9-11, which was just absolutely shocking to the entire world. But it's easy for those laws that have been brought in to be abused by subsequent administrations. Well, yes. Well, look at the clipper chip that they were trying to put off. That, yeah, you can... You can have encryption as long as the government has, has a backdoor into your systems. By the way, this is also effectively what, what Australia has legislated already. Yeah, I've heard about this. I've been reading about it. And it just doesn't seem practical because if you are talking about open source encryption, then you can't put backdoors in that very easily at all, can you? Uh, how, how can that possibly work? I can use GPG now to encrypt a file and send it to you. And um, as long as you know the password or, you know, we, we can do key pairs and, you know, key parties and all the rest of it. I, I just don't see how they can put those backdoors into it. I mean, obviously things like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, you know, proprietary software, of course they can put those backdoors in. But I, I've never been particularly worried about this move by various governments to put these backdoors in encryption because open source software just has natural defenses built in if the, the gpg devs were forced to put backdoors in someone would just fork it and remove them but the the thing about it is that with the australian ruling if you use gpg to protect your private data trying to keep it like private you are violating the law Yes, but uh, like with most laws, if a sufficient number of people disregard that law and disobey that law, they can't put everybody in prison, surely. Well, that's... Um, there was a movie called The Enemy of the State. Well, what Australia is doing is saying, uh, if you want to keep your data private, you are security risk to the nation, and therefore uh, you are de facto a criminal. But what does that mean for open source projects then? Does it mean that we couldn't have an Australian Linux distro, for example? Well, let's see. Uh, let's Do you know see. when the law comes into effect? I don't. Uh, by the way, uh, yes, you can. The only thing is that because your password data is encrypted, you'd have to have a government key. Right, but if I'm running a Linux distribution then I can just create my own keys and, and I can encrypt my files using GPG very easily with one command. Excuse me, your password is encrypted. Uh, every, they're outlawing encryption systems that do not have a government key in them. And therefore, it would be technically illegal to carry around a laptop that had, you know, say I had full disk encryption enabled with a key that they didn't have access to. And yes, and the fact that the government couldn't automatically check it with one of their government keys was, would therefore you'd be uh, labeled a terrorist. Yes, but isn't it far more likely that they're not going after the enthusiasts like us? And, you know, if you are white, and, you know, if you're a white, middle-aged, baldy bloke who's a bit fat with a beard, like me and I assume most people who would listen to this, then you're going to be fine and they'll just go, oh, you know, whatever. But if you've got brown skin and look like a terrorist, they, they are the people who they'll go after and start calling a terrorist. And, you know, that might sound like a, a terrible thing to say, but it, it, it sort of feels like 
the reality of the situation. Well, I have to step away for a moment, but uh, I'll be right back. Uh, but then again, uh, the the regulations about selective enforcement make the law stupider than than that. Well, a, a law is stupidly enforced. That's a bit of a shocker, isn't it? Well, that's how come little old ladies can be scanned and searched because their number comes up to make certain that they're not just um, double-checking ethnic minorities, shall we say. Well, yeah, they have to be seen. It's like stop and search here in London, where the reality is the police want to stop and search young black men, but they have to be seen to be stopping and searching other um, demographic, you know, people who fall into other demographics, so that it's not just um, young black men. But, you know, I'm a, I suppose, I must admit, middle-aged, as much as it pains me, white man who's been living in London for a long time now, and I've never been stopped and searched. So who else is around then? Looks like just me then. So I wonder, should I leave silence? I assume that when Ken makes this into a podcast, he will use some sort of script to strip out the silence. But I'm not sure. I've never listened back to any of these. So maybe I should leave silence until someone turns up, or maybe I should fill dead air. Not sure. I'll leave a bit of silence, and maybe someone can chip in and tell me. Please repeat. I just, just had to step away for a moment. Oh, I was saying that... Um, uh, I was asking if anyone else was around and no one replied. And then uh, it made me think, um, when Ken turns this into a podcast, um, does he use a script to remove the silence? So if there are, you know, a couple of minutes here and there without anyone talking, does the script remove that silence from the finished thing? So I wondered whether I should fill the dead air just by talking nonsense or whether I should just leave it a silence so the script could remove it. Um, actually... I believe it's our friend Punky Magoo who will be doing that work. Oh, right. I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, we're, we of the Linux Lugcast try to help out Ken, and, and he helps us out. You know, it's a family thing. Okay. How long have you been going then as a podcast? A couple of years now. All right. How's that going then? Do you have many listeners? Well, we have a, a very few people who show up live like this. And then we have some downloads, which I wouldn't know about. You don't monitor that, then? You're not particularly interested? Uh, I'm not really wired into that end of things. Do you just do it for fun, then, and just for the conversation? I do it for... There, I'm sort of the sidekick. Um, there are three or four people who do the hosting, and, and I'm just there to show that they have an Indian to go with the Chiefs. I see. I don't think you're supposed to say that sort of thing anymore. <laughs> it's, it always fascinates me to talk to, to people who do Linux podcasts um, just for fun rather than like I do for a living. Um, because I, you know, when I first got into it, that was my goal, and I have achieved that in 2018. And so it's, it's always fascinating to me because, it, because whenever I do anything in life, I do it to try and be the best that I possibly can. Um, and well, well, maybe that's not true, but whenever I do a new thing, I tend to get quite obsessed with it and, and go push it as far as possible. But a lot of, well, most Linux podcasts are just people doing it just for the fun of it. Yeah. So unless you're like, yeah, like the Jupiter broadcasting in America. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, for whom I work now. <laughs> 
Well, I haven't been keeping up with my Jupiter broadcasting, otherwise I'd recognize your voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, well, it's it's been a big year for Jupiter Broadcasting. I um, I was sort of contracting for them uh, in sort of mid-2017 into 2018, and then... Um, Jupiter Broadcasting joined with Linux Academy, which was one of their sponsors. And as a result of that, I became, I'm still a contractor, but I'm, it's kind of enough to do it, you know, to dedicate most of my time to producing shows for them, which has been really nice. And so I've managed to turn it into my job now, which is pretty sweet. And I, I do have my other podcast as well, Late Night Linux, which, um, brings in a little bit not not as much but um it's good fun to do well if you do what you love you know they used to say you never work a day in your life well exactly and here i am on new year's eve um my wife's gone to bed and you know i could do pretty much anything i just watch netflix or whatever but instead here i am doing a podcast which is what i do for a living it's a busman's holiday as we say in this country and you know, it's it's what I love doing, and um, you know, sometimes it, it feels like work when it's late and I'm tired and I've got to edit the show and you know convert it and everything, get it all published. But it is what I love doing, and I worked hard for it, and it has really paid off now, and it's great. But um, you know, circling back to that, doing it as a hobby, like what makes you, what motivates you to to do it? Do you do it every week or every two weeks or, or what? Um, we have a, a schedule first Friday and third Friday of the month, which is not necessarily every two weeks, but roughly that. Yeah, kind of twice a month. And how do you motivate yourself to stick to that? Well, personally, I'm virtually retired, and uh, it's one of my few outlets for my technical uh, knowledge. Okay. And surely there must be times when you're tired and something else is going on and you just would rather not do it. And what happens in that situation? Do you force yourself to do it or do you just say, oh, I'll do it next time? I think I missed one show recently by cho by missing the schedule, but I generally don't miss the shows because they are they are my connection with, with this part of the world. So it's kind of a social event, more than anything. Largely a social event. Again, we call ourselves the Linux Lugcast because we're trying to create a uh, mumble Linux users group, which is why, just like this, it's it's much much on the same standard as as this uh, cast tonight, where we invite people to drop by, and we're we're very sort of un. Well, we're kind of liberal focused in that, that a lot of chat about random things gets in, interspersed with the Linux. And so do you just do a recording from Mumble and then just put that out more or less as is, or do you do any editing or anything? I believe it's somewhat edited. Again, Honky tends to do that, but we ha often have a an extended pre-show and then, then the official show and then a closure. And how long does it take all in, then? Uh, all in depends on when you show up. It's officially 9 o'clock to whenever, so it's been 9 to midnight. 
Although if people start early, it could be 8.30. The official show may, may start at 9.30, as in when the intro is read. All right. Is that on this Mumble server, then? It is on... Uh, no, it's on skyhaven.net. Um, look up the Linux podcast or Lugcast, and we have directions to it. And um, so those times you said, is that um, Pacific, Mountain, Central, Eastern? Eastern time. Um, we probably should, I should probably memorize the GMT. It's uh, Yeah, UTC uh, is the best one, isn't it? Because that never changes, whereas GMT, um, you know, then you get to British summertime and it all gets confusing, whereas if you just know the UTC, then that should, in theory, never change. But I'm a strong advocate for getting rid of time zones and everyone just becoming it doesn't matter to me what time it is you know if i'm eating my breakfast at you know seven o'clock at night uh, you know 7 p.m 1900 that's fine just as long as we can all agree this is the time that we're going to use from now on all over the world it would just make life so much simpler yeah well i'm on the east coast and they've recently expanded daylight savings time march to to november all right. There's talk here of uh, removing, just completely abolishing daylight savings, which is a good start as far as I'm concerned. That would make my life that little bit easier to uh, not have to deal with the time changes because we move to daylight savings two weeks before America does. And, it, and then you've got people in the Southern Hemisphere and just trying to organize interviews and trying to organize anything with people across the world. is just It just becomes very difficult. Well... Actually, the problem that you have fundamentally, especially with the modern technological society, is people are tied to a single clock. What do you mean by a single clock? Um, what we, we have all this power here, and it would be quite simple to, to make our LED clocks or our computers certainly computers and phones and everything, keep two times. Uh, neighborhood time, shall we say, and and U- UTC. Yeah, although that would get a little bit confusing, whereas if we just all used UTC, then I could just say to someone, right, I'll see you at 5 o'clock on the 27th of January, and they would know exactly when to show up. But then you, then you have the the problems with sunrise and sunset and local. All you got to do is say, hey, the sun sets over here at 5 o'clock, or it sets at 3 o'clock. Exactly. Yeah, well, also, you've got to deal with people who who, who are 12-hour bound. Well, it would be a shock to the system for almost everyone. Obviously, I advocate UTC because that would mean I wouldn't have to change anything, but I'd be perfectly happy with pacific standard or whatever as long as we can all agree on it and i would just accept that breakfast happens at whatever time and i go to sleep at whatever time uh, you know it it would be it would be a big change for people but i think that as we go into an increasingly international world it just makes perfect sense to me actually i i think the uh what what you might call the dual display option is probably going to be more practical. Well, that to me sounds like a, a good stepping stone. Well, just remember that how many cars both in Europe and in America have both kilometer and uh, English uh, 
Miles. Markings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine, yeah. mine has mine, both. Mine. I travel to and from Mexico, and so when I cross over, i got to remember, oh, yeah, use the small numbers, not the big ones. Do they have kilometers? I suppose they do, yeah. It's only really the UK and the US that has miles. I just assumed that Mexico would be different, but, yeah, it's like almost the entire world in that they use kilometers. Pretty much, which makes me think that the U.S. is kind of backwards on that and we really should just adopt uh, the metric system. Well, yeah, but you end up in a situation like we have in the U.K. where if you want to buy lumber here, you go into a timber yard and you say to them, I'd like three meters of four by two, please, which is, you know, just absolutely madness. You're talking about three meters of four inches by two inches. I don't think anywhere else, you wouldn't do that in the U.S., you wouldn't do that anywhere else. It just becomes too confusing. <laughs> yeah, true. Now, we, you go get a six-foot two, uh, six two-by-four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although I suppose people are just used to it, you know. We would just, we just say a length, you know, three meters of four by two, and uh, people just know what that means, and they just kind of convert to millimeters or whatever. But, uh, yeah, we have this weird situation where, the weather is generally in Celsius these days. Um, distance is always in miles. Um, weight is generally in kilograms for, um, if you want to buy carrots or whatever, you're going to see kilograms. It's, it's just a mishmash in this country that's very confusing. Yeah. Well, there was, speaking of, of, uh, Commonwealth, there was an interesting incident where, as part of a conversion to metric system, the Canadian airliner ran out of gas. What, because of a miscalculation? Yes, because they were going from pounds to kilograms of fuel, and they didn't do the conversion right, so this aircraft got about halfway and had to find an emergency airstrip, and the airstrip they found was being used as a drag strip at the time. It was a decommissioned airbase. That sounds uh, alarming. I hope no one was hurt. Due to some amazing flying and some amazing luck because the airstrip that this guy happened to know about and chose was had been converted to a uh, drag strip, as is somewhat traditional. Uh, it was no one was hurt, but it was a near run thing to use uh, use the uh, the quote about uh, water load. I'm sure there were a lot of scared individuals, but a lot of grateful ones when the expert pilot managed to land that one then. Yeah, it was almost like the Sully land. But somewhat less dramatic because it was on land, even though really it was probably just as dangerous. Yes, and there were more people to get out of the way. The river was probably mostly empty. Yeah. Uh, what, so was there a meet in progress then? Yes, there were activities. It was on the weekend. Well, wow, that must have been quite something if you're just there to watch some drag racing and suddenly an airplane lands. Was there any kind of call ahead on that, or did it just decide, I'm landing here? Uh, I don't believe that there was any call ahead. I don't, because it was one of those things where my engines have gone out, where can I put this thing down? And the guy knew about that he was close to this, what he used to serve at this air base, and he went, he went where he, you know, he felt that he would have enough of a flat surface to land to, to put the plane down, and he wasn't current on what space was actually available, what runways might be in use or, or open and not. 
Was this in 1983? I believe so. Yeah, I found an article about it. Yeah, that's... Uh, wow. Uh, it says, uh, uh, a crowd of sports car enthusiasts were having a post-race barbecue on the airstrip where the pilots intended to land. Wow. To use an old uh, Americanism, there was a hot time in the old town to n- that night. Yeah, I've put a link to that in the uh, mumble there. Well, also... Um, in the state of Massachusetts, there was a recent bill passed that made it illegal to own, possess, or sell certain weapons that that were determined by the legislature to have primarily a military purpose. How, how did that work out with the Second Amendment, then? Uh, Second Amendment? Well, the legislature just said these are militarized weapons and... You cannot sell them, you cannot transfer them, you cannot do anything with them. They were legal yesterday, but they're illegal today. There must have been a lot of pushback, though, from uh, those who uh, are strong advocates. None of them there still is. What, what they have also said is you cannot transfer them, which means if you own them, you cannot get your money back, and you cannot dispose of them in, in any fashion. You are just... You have been criminalized because we don't like the look of your gun. The fact that we have a federal uh, government agency that says any weapon in private hands, generally speaking, has to have a sporting purpose unless somebody wants to pay big bucks and get basically federally licensed. Well, so people who were in possession of these weren't able to just take them to the police department to hand them in, then? I don't believe the legislation had gave any way of disposing of them legally. So what did people do? Just bury them or something? Uh, that wasn't the legislature's problem. <laughs> These guns looked bad, therefore they were illegal. And, and so Are you talking about this? Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was wondering if you are talking about like the, the past machine gun bill or a more recent one. Oh no, th- this is a idea put up by the people in the state of Massachusetts to protect people from legal guns. Oh, all right. I, it, I, well, if they do end up doing it, I wonder if it would pass, be able to pass the Supreme Court. Is this a law that has um, come into force yet, then, or is this just a, prop- a proposition? As far as I know, it's in force. I, I haven't really followed it. Um, my lifetime FID card was... Uh, shortened to five years by government fiat, and I, because of the disability that I have, I cannot get a new one. What does FID stand for? Firearms Identification. Okay, and what does that card mean? Buy ammunition, buy firearms, buy air... I can't even buy an air, air rifle. It was my understanding that... Um, well, okay, let me ask the question then. Does, does it depend on the state where you reside, depending on your access to firearms depends on the state depends on your relationship with your local police chief it can depend on many factors because my understanding was that in most states if you have no criminal record um and you know are generally an upstanding citizen you can just go and buy a gun because it's your right to protect your house and family and everything well yeah well i have it depends if you're being treated for certain diseases I see. What um, mental illness or physical diseases? Well, I'm treat- being treated for depression, and that, that disqualifies me. I see. What because of the um, 
perceived suicide risk. No, perceived uh, risk that you would go out and kill someone. Not just yourself. I see. Not that I, yeah, not that I agree with it. I think depression is, you know, treating depression like some of the other forms of uh, mental issues is is kind of uh, overboard in my regard, belief. Well, but some states have gone that far. Also, uh, because I don't drive, uh, a uh, it would be difficult for me to get anywhere where I could use a um, a true firearm. My understanding is that um, to get anywhere in the USA, unless you live in a major metropolitan area, you need to drive because public transportation is not really much of a thing there outside of you know places like New York. Yeah, that's pretty much the case. And also, the, generally, the size of everything, the distances between it, even if you do have a good public transit system... It could. The amount of time it takes to get there is just insane unless you drive there yourself. Well, at one time, I live on the south side of Boston, and I used to work on the north side. I would get up and leave about 6 a.m., and I could get to work maybe at 10 o'clock. And this is with uh, public transportation, is it? This was with public transportation. I see. So you live in Southie, then? No, I live outside of the Boston area, but... On one of the um, bedroom communities just south of, of the city. Oh, okay, I was going to say you don't sound like you're from Southie. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, no, my roots are in Maine and West Virginia. Oh, you have a very um, well, dare I say, it, generic American accent. You don't sound like you're from that area at all, because generally there's quite a heavy accent um, in that that part of America. Yes, but you see. I was raised here, and you should use a Z with that. Thank you. I got my post-traumatic stress domestically. I see. Yeah, my dad was a nasty alcoholic. I'm a very friendly alcoholic. Well, but then again, my you know, he was raised by my grandfather, which would make Oscar the Grotch seem like um, the good humor man. I'm sorry to hear that. It sounds well, like you uh, are generally all right, though. Well, I've I've gotten by. I that's one of the reasons why I have a certain non PC act um, attitude towards gun control. What because of your upbringing? Yes, I was raised by people who came from small towns in Maine and West Virginia, where it was very common where everyone has a gun, right? At one time, my dad had a rather large collection upstairs. Um, Would you go as far as to say it was an arsenal? Well, since they're all basically hunting calibers, um, you could call it an arsenal. It's just that he had, along the way, he got uh, access to someone who had collected guns over the years, and he was able to buy a job lot at, uh, at a reasonable price. I know some guys in Washington, um, nothing to do with Jupiter Broadcasting, the other side of Washington, who... Uh, prior to the last election, not the midterms, but the, uh, the the election where Donald Trump won, and they had stocked up on firearms in a kind of plan to sell them after Hillary was elected because they suspected that's what would happen because they expected that 
the price, the value would go up significantly because when Hillary was elected, there would be you know various measures brought in and it would make the value skyrocket. But uh, unfortunately for that plan, that didn't happen. Give it time. Also, um, I don't know who's going to get elected next time. Uh, I do. If you, well, uh, it, it, I, I would strongly suggest if you're a gambling man, although that's generally illegal there, but I would strongly suggest putting money on Trump. I must say that I'm not uh, particularly happy about this prediction. I'm not, not much of a fan of Trump, shall we say, but that doesn't change the reality that he is almost certain to win again. Well, um, that's, that's a possibility. Um, um, I'm not really a great fan, and I... But uh, then again, I wasn't a great fan of um, the options given. Indeed, I think that was a big part of the reason why he's your current president, because the alternative was not very attractive to a lot of people. Even people who had traditionally voted Democrat were not particularly fond of Hillary Clinton. And perhaps, I mean, perhaps it's a, a pipe dream of mine, perhaps I'm being unrealistic as a European socialist, to think that Bernie would have had a chance, but it would have certainly been more interesting to see Bernie go up against Trump. As a Trump supporter, I would have been happy to see Bernie take Hillary's place, and I think it would be a very interesting election to see Bernie go up against Trump. May I ask why you're a Trump supporter? What is it about him that uh, makes you support him? Uh, Simply because he set out to break the system that has been established that tends to keep the same people like Hillary and Bush and all of them being elected and re-elected. I see. So it wasn't his policies in particular that um, made you want to vote for him? Well, I mean, I was... I mean, I'm in a, I am a fan of his immigration stance. Um, I, a lot of his policies do tend to line up with mine, not all of them. Uh, I was, like... People ask me, is there anything he could have done wrong? And I tell them, yeah. I didn't like the fact that he was still in Syria up until, you know, very recently. And what about his dishonesty, his um, catalogue of lies that he has told publicly? Ah, see, that's a very interesting subject. Um, I believe that his dishonesty, regardless of what has been presented, is on par with typical politicians. So you think that he's as bad as the others, so that's fine? Basically, I mean, yeah, I have seen him say some lies. I've seen some people say he says lies that aren't necessarily true. But I've, after, you know, I've been in watching politics for, I want to say, like 15 years. You know, as I'm not that old. But uh, I've seen, you know, several presidents and other politicians who blatantly lie and carry on as if they didn't. And... So it's it's really nothing new to see a politician lie. Yes, but what is new is the brazenness with which he lies. The fact that he doesn't even care when he's found out about it, whereas at least, well, okay, maybe not at least, but let's just say that it is a fact that previous politicians uh, did not want to be found out for their lies, and uh, on the occasions that they were, they showed at least um, public remorse for that and um, shame. Whereas when Trump lies, which seemingly to me is almost everything he ever says is just an untruth, um, he he seems to be 
almost proud of of that and he shows absolutely no shame and no remorse there and that sets him apart to me i mean there's no doubt that he is different from every other president that you've had certainly in my lifetime and certainly in sort of the memory of the people who i know um but i I don't think that that is necessarily a good thing that he's so shameless with his dishonesty well i mean i can agree with you on that um i don't quite see it the same way as in i haven't seen him uh, quite as brazen i mean if we had a chance to sit down and and go over perhaps maybe by lie by lie we might come to a different conclusion or i might but uh i i find that a lot of the ones where he's been said to be so brazen about it really aren't lies he is he is you know being honest and it's the they're being interpreted as lies uh, now, please don't don't take that as me believing that everything he said is true, because that's we we both know that's not true. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. Um, I mean, I don't know enough about it. I haven't done enough research to give you concrete examples of it. But I've I've heard other people talking about it and citing you know proper citations here that show that he has lied on a number of occasions, um, and. Uh, you know, I mean, well, like take for example, um, I, I assume this is family friendly, so I shan't quote him verbatim. But um, the incident with um, the the recording that he didn't know just beforehand, where he was talking about women in a very disrespectful fashion, did that not put you off him then? Well, <laughs> um, I, I laugh because that's kind of an interesting subject as well. Um, it did not put me off. Uh, for very different, several different reasons, um, and I assume you're talking about the Access One video where you know about grabbing. Yeah, grabbing by something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I it, this disrespectful of this. It's you know, and it may be that I'm just a horrible person, and so I didn't find it as disrespectful as other people do. Um, it didn't come off to me as being disrespectful. It came off to me. as as uh, he was in his attractiveness to a certain group of women. That's the way it seemed to me. Right, but when he talks about grabbing women in places where it's not acceptable to do so, um, do, do you think that it's not really an offensive thing to say because that's sort of the kind of thing that you and your friends would say when there weren't any women around and you didn't think you were being recorded? You know, is, is that really what well, it boils down to? That is kind of what it boils down to, partly, yeah. Um, the other part is, I've, I mean, back to the, this is nothing new with politicians. I've seen offensive things like that come out of politicians, just whether or not it get, it becomes newsworthy. I see. And so, presumably, you are keen to vote for him again in the next election. I was, yes. Um, I was definitely keen to vote on him on the next election. The previous election, I was wary about it up until like the very end when I was like, you know what? I kind of do like where this is going with him, particularly in his um, stance, kind of what you've been hitting on, the fact that he's not very PC. He's not very, um, uh, I, I don't know how to say it, but that he's, you know, going against this this culture of don't offend anyone and that you know i have found this culture of don't offend people to be kind of offensive sometimes are you talking about um things like trans rights and and you know bathrooms and stuff like that 
Kind of, sort of. I mean, uh, depends on how you define trans rights. Uh, I mean, I think that everyone should be treated equally, and uh, you know, they should have all the same rights. Uh, but whether or not uh, you use the proper pronoun for someone uh, is kind of, and you can go to jail in some cases. Well, I don't know if it's gotten that far yet. But, you know, you definitely do run the risk of sometimes losing your job if you don't, if you forget to call someone by the, the pronoun that they prefer. Well, do you one, think that that... No, one, sorry, of the th- one of the things that I think uh, will happen by the end of uh, Trump's term, first, it may be one of the few times when the presidential term limit um, amendment actually totally works. And yes, this, there will probably be a few people this, who are happy about that. The second is that by the end of his term, there will be enough oxes gored that people will realize that their their votes really do matter, and who they elect does matter. Trump will stir the pot enough that that anybody is going to look very closely at at who follows, whether it's Democrat, Republican, Socialist. Green Party. So one of the other issues that I have with Trump is that um, I have to be very careful how I say this, but um, he has engaged in some business practices that have been um, questionable, shall we say. He he claims to be this really successful businessman, but, you know, his university situation, the stakes thing, um, this foundation that has now been shut down... um, there certainly seem to be financial irregularities there. Um, you know, how does that make you feel about him? Um, I, you know, I, I know that you, you know, you want to be careful about answering that, and I kind of want to be careful. I don't know if you're directing that directly towards me, but uh, I'm, that's not what I meant. But anyway, sorry. Um, you, you know, I can agree that there was definitely some irregularities that I've seen, and uh, the more and more. That come out, you know, I would be interested to see what exactly had happened to some regard, but I also think that it should be painted in the picture of this kind of behavior is actually not uncommon among business people, whether you agree with it or not, and whether I agree with it or not. Uh, it's actually not, if you, if you look at the whole, there's a lot more that goes on that's worse, and there's also, also people who, you know, who deal much more above the board. I do think it's interesting to point out that after the after the last two years that have been gone on, with all the investigations, this is the only things that seem to be of question. Really? The only questionable practices that, that have come out. So, in the grand scope of things, does that actually make him sound like he might be better than seemed before? I mean, that's, you know, some food for everyone to think about on that. So, that's... Uh, has anyone applied similar scrutiny to um, administration since the Clinton administration? Well, indeed, there is almost no doubt that um, Clintons have been into some shady things, whether that's financial or otherwise. But, you know, that kind of um, goes back to this idea of, well, he's Trump is not any worse than anyone else, so therefore it's fine. That doesn't seem to stand up as an argument to me, particularly. It feels like that wouldn't it be better to go for someone who had 
a bit more honesty, a bit more integrity, rather than like, oh, well, all business people are like that. All presidents, all politicians lie. You know, that old thing, how do you know if a politician's lying, his lips are moving? Thing. You know, shouldn't we strive for better than that? Well, I agree with you Would anyone better stand up to the kind of mauling that the presidential candidates get? Well, I like to think that Bernie perhaps might have. But I don't know much about Bernie. I mean, perhaps he's as corrupt as all the other politicians, but he strikes me as probably not. But maybe he's just a good salesman. Well, not only that, but he he also is not um, he was he was not beholden to enough people to get support. Well, that is debatable. There there is some debate about um, the institutions within the Democratic Party um, not allowing. Yeah, I think him. that the part part of the problem was that there wasn't anyone of higher integrity available on the list, and I think the ones that. If there was one or two, and that they themselves would have been destroyed by the political process. Actually, they were destroyed by the political process, even though that they were of higher integrity people. It sounds like you've arrived at the party, and I assume the silence <laughs> confirms that. Then, well, the problem that uh, that Hillary Clinton had is that a large chunk of the country knew who she was beholden to. And they weren't buying, supporting that. Well, yes, I presume you mean um, the arms industry and things like that. Arms industry, unions of various kinds, etc., etc., etc. Well, yes, you don't get to be a successful politician without um, support, and you know, I mean, there's a, a, a fundamental flaw in how politics works in that you necessarily have to be a bad person in order to rise to the top because there's not really any other way of doing it. If you're a good person, then bad people will um, push you aside. And so you are necessarily not going to have good people running things. And I, I heard a somewhat flippant idea that uh, it should be anyone who wants to get into politics shouldn't be allowed and it should be people who don't want to be in politics are forced to do so and then you might actually get some integrity going on but obviously that's a rather ridiculous idea well um a british friend of my father's had a suggestion about how to clean up politics he suggested politicians should be lined up against a wall and decimated based on the binary system of course well, that is something I would never advocate as a pacifist, but um, I think certainly removed from office, I would agree with. Well, an algorithm that, that many people are using is that uh, candidate for re-election means vote for the other guy. Yeah, but then, you know, vote for the other guy ends up with Trump in charge. And something that I was going to uh, get into, but uh, no more seems to have, uh, well, become no more as he appears to be at a party now. But something I was going to get into was that there is no doubt that Trump is a good salesman. He's a very uh, slick talker in his own way. Um, he, he's very charismatic, again, in his own way. And, um, I, I don't know, color me cynical, but I don't fall for his shtick. And I would feel... I, I would ask anyone who has 
in my opinion, fallen for it, or, you know, in their view, gone along with his great leadership or whatever, to kind of stand outside themselves for a second and think, well, hang on, this is a man who has a history of being good at business and good as a salesman and, you know, good uh, gift of the gab, as we call it. And is that really who you want in charge of things? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go as far as to call him a con man because that's that's not fair. But it's the, he has a lot of, uh, a lot of what makes a con man a good con man. Uh, those qualities are qualities that Trump has. And he's managed to parlay that into a legitimate business career, uh, that, you know, doing his various real estate deals and everything. And so, you know, that, those smarmy characteristics don't appeal to me at all. And, um, I, I like to feel, well, I, you know, I like to think that I, I just wouldn't fall for, that really and you know maybe that's an offensive thing to, to say to people who have, have bought into his message but i do feel that they've fallen for something rather than um you know they, they've fallen for a cult of personality rather than his policies because his policies seem to be just sort of made up on on the hoof really just like whatever he'll just say whatever he thinks to convince people and it, it's not th- seriously thought through policies you know like we're going to build a wall and we're going to make them pay for it well, here we are sort of two years on and the government shut down because Mexico is certainly not going to pay for it. Of course they're not going to pay for it. That was just ludicrous. It was absolutely, uh, as, absolutely ludicrous uh, as, the, uh, as ludicrous as the lies that were put on the bus during the Brexit situation. And now he's, well, yeah, now he's, he's going to pay for that. Sorry, say again? I was saying that, yeah, I knew Mexico wasn't going to pay for that. Right, and and so therefore that was a lie. You know, we, we returned to that situation where that was a barefaced lie that he consistently told. He said, we're going to build a wall and we're going to make them pay for it. And by them, he clearly meant Mexico, the Mexican government, and the Mexican taxpayer. And, you know, that everybody knew that that was just a fantasy. And yet he just seemed to get away with that. And I just don't understand how anyone could fall for such blatant lies and and salesmanship. You know, he's, he's not a genuine person who, you know, he, he's just a smarmy salesman who managed to sell his way to the top. And so here we are in this situation where the government shut down, returning to how we got onto this topic. You're not supposed to talk about politics, but here we are. And, and you know, you, because he had promised the electorate that Mexico would pay for it. Nobody really believed that. And now he's trying to get several billion dollars from the US taxpayer to pay for this wall, which is absolutely integral to his re-election, really, because how can he stand for election again without at least starting construction on this wall? Because it was such a key promise. But well, you know, there because, has been construction you know, done on the wall, and that is one of the key reasons why he was elected, is because there is a good portion of the United States who believe that the wall is necessary. Well, there's no doubt that there are a, a number of, you know, about half of your country, just over half, actually just under half, isn't it? Because he actually got fewer votes than her, all that is. Uh, well, let's just say a, a roughly equal number of votes. Um, there, there is clearly a lot of people in that country of yours who believe that the immigration situation is out of control and that uh, erecting a large wall will help with that. The reality, as far as I see it, is that if that wall was erected and did its job and stopped these um, illegal immigrants, whatever you want to call them, people from Mexico, because they are people coming across that border, um, then 
your country is specifically in the southern states like California and Texas would be worse off if the the flow of migrate you know it, let's say uh, you know all his rhetoric came true he built the wall and absolutely no illegal immigration continued that that was it there were no more people illegally emigrating from Mexico to the USA and also he managed to deport all of the currently um undocumented migrants or illegal immigrants whatever you want to call it from America back to Mexico that would have uh, a negative impact on the economy of the southern states of the United States and then therefore as a whole the the rest of the economy would suffer because those people who come over do so not for fun not because the weather's a bit nicer you, you know not because they enjoy going to football games and baseball games or whatever they do it for economic reasons because they want to come over and work because you don't really have much of a benefit system there you certainly don't have free healthcare like we have in this country so there are very few reasons that it's not a particularly attractive country to go to i wouldn't want to go there with no qualifications and you know be illegal there because what would it, you know i'd have no healthcare i'd have no prospects my prospects would have to be pretty grim in the country where i was living and therefore one can only assume that the prospects are quite grim in mexico and so they want to go over to america and work hard doing things like construction things like yard work the jobs that americans don't want to do because americans want to do tech jobs and service jobs and you know not work physically hard I mean, obviously there are many many exceptions to that but that's the general trend as i understand it and and so it seems to me to be just quite a strange idea that you don't want these people to come over and do the jobs that no one wants to do because who's going to do those jobs you know americans don't want to do them because you know if if someone can come over from mexico speak barely speaking english and can take your job then that's not really their problem is it that's your problem well that's just it we would have to arrange a real immigration system of the Ellis Island sort um, to right. manage what was actually going on. Right, okay. And so you could arrange a system where, to, like to the, in the, um, the early 20th century, where you had a number of migrants coming over and f building the country, for want of a better word. You could do that and have a lot of Mexicans coming over. But then if they were there legitimately, then they would probably not want to do the jobs that the americans don't want to do not many people want to dig out swimming pools by hand dig foundations for uh, new construction projects you know work hard in hot conditions sweating dusty just horrible horrible conditions not many not many people want to do that but if you have people who come over illegally and they have nothing else that they can do then they will do that and they'll work for cash, and they'll send some of that home to their family. But ultimately, those jobs need to be done by someone. And, um, you know, you could say, well, that should all be unionized. That should all be done by trained U.S. citizens. But that's not how capitalism works. You're basically, t yeah, we, you're, you're saying that if we had a legal guest worker system, not, no one would want to do those hard jobs. Of course. They'd want to do the, the more skilled high-tech jobs that pay way more and have great benefits have dental and medical and stuff you know they wouldn't want to come 
and work for cash and then just pray every night that nothing happens to them medically because they can't afford to go to a doctor. You know, it just seems really strange to me that, that, that any American would imagine that people would want to come there and, and freeload because this, you can't freeload in America. America is like the, the ultimate capitalist society. If you don't work incredibly hard, then you, you just can't do anything there. So why would people want to come there if they didn't want to work hard? Well, actually, there are a couple of things that are going on. Um, for one thing, um, in a lot of areas, the uh, the voting rule roles are are being open to non-citizens. That's an interesting one. And to counter this, the um, federal government has a real ID program where citizens getting their driver's license have to re-identify themselves um, basically at the same level of, as somebody getting a passport so that the citizenry is thoroughly identified. And what happens if you're an undocumented migrant or illegal immigrant? Well, the Real ID situation, uh, if you opt in for the Real ID program, the only right that you actually really get from Real ID is the well, first, you're, you're identified nationwide because it's a federal database. And second, after a certain date in 2020, you will be able to enter federal buildings. And so this means that people who have come, jump the wall, for be- want of a better word, will be able to integrate into society properly and not be deported. Well, there's a question there, because if someone without proper ID cannot enter a federal building, how do you get them into the immigration system? So what's the result of this then? Well, the result is there are two currents. One is to, if you're a resident, uh, we don't check your citizenship and we want you to vote in our elections because we will give you voters' rights. Uh, and the other is the federal, we can't trust state, uh, we can't trust the current state system, so we want tighter identification on people who have real ID. And if you if you get just your license renewed without real ID, you are de facto suspect. Well, just th- let's do a thought experiment here, right? Supposing that I put you in charge or I was put in charge of deporting all of the illegal immigrants, undocumented migrants, whatever you want to call them, and I was given a, a serious budget to do so, uh, it would be trivial for me to do that. As far as I can see, it it would be a matter of months before I deported thousands of people. All I would do is drive around the, uh, the, the southern areas near the border and go to construction sites, go to other, you know, factories and, and other places where these people work. And anyone who seemed Mexican to me, uh, you could just Find, force them to take you to where they live or, you know, force them to produce documentation to, to prove that they are here legally and remove them if not. Now, obviously, I don't agree with that as a, a, a course of action. It's not what I would do, what I would want to do. But if that was my job, then I could easily do that, I think. I mean, that's perhaps a gross oversimplification and it would probably take a lot longer than I would imagine to do so. And it would be more complicated with um, human rights lawyers and things like that. However, if there was any benefit to the country to do so, then that would have happened. 
by now. You know, it, it just would have happened because it's, it doesn't take a vast amount of intelligence or organizational skill to put that together as a program. But that hasn't happened. And why hasn't that happened? Because of what I said before, because the economy, I'm not going to say it would collapse, but it would certainly uh, not benefit from these people being removed from your country. Uh, similarly here with um, Eastern Europeans, a lot of whom came here before they were officially allowed, before their countries joined the European Union and things like that. But, um, you know, and, and if after Brexit, if that goes badly, as far as I'm concerned, and we get a hard Brexit, no deal. And if we were to suddenly deport all of the EU citizens, then our country, our economy would be in tatters. Things like fruit picking, things like construction, things like the service industry would just have no one working there. And we're already seeing this in this country after the, the Brexit vote, because nothing has changed in, in the last uh, two and a half years since June 2016. Nothing's changed. We're still completely under the same laws that we had for the last 40 years. And so people can still come here, they can work here, but they are increasingly going home, you know, or going to other EU countries. And already we are seeing problems economically as a result of that. And th this idea that we want to close the borders and stop immigration is, is, is just a very naive view of how the world works. Because without migration, without immigrants coming into your country, wherever your country happens to be, your country's not going to function as it does now. And it's very easy to blame these people who, you know, would you want to leave your country? Would you want to leave your town? If, you know, people do move around for work, you move from city to city or whatever, but, you know, would I want to move from London? Well, if I had to, I would move to a different part of the, the UK. Reluctantly, I like London, but if that's where the work was, then then I'll do so. But would I want to go to a country where I don't speak the language? No, definitely not. So you have to ask yourself, why are these people doing that? There must be some benefit to them. And, you know, it, it, you, you could argue that people coming to the United Kingdom are doing so to take advantage of our excellent NHS, uh, the National Health Service, where you get free medical care. You know, if I cut my hand open and I need stitches, I go... I could go right now, I could get a cab, I've, you know, I couldn't drive because I've been drinking, but I could get a cab to a hospital right now. I might have to wait a few hours, but I'd get stitched up and sent home completely for free. So you can, you could, there is an argument to say that people come to this country for that benefit, which is huge, but you don't have that in America. So I just don't understand this anti-immigration argument because your country is benefiting from these immigrants. Uh, so what's the problem? Why do you want to stop this? Because the media have sort of managed to trick you into thinking that it's a bad idea for them to come here and that they're taking your jobs, but they're, they're taking the jobs that no one wants. People who barely speak English are returned well, to that point. Uh, well, also, also the um, power of disenfranchisement and blaming the disenfranchised is uh, keeps people from looking too carefully about how the rest of the things are being managed. Um, and... Uh, I think that's also uh, the immig immigration um, people who do speak multiple languages and whatnot can keep or otherwise keep the the, the immigrant uh, population functioning have a have influence and a power base. So 
on both sides, people are playing power games. Well, clearly, but that doesn't change the facts on the ground that countries like America need immigration, and whether they regulate that properly or whether they just turn a blind eye to illegal immigration, as they have done for many, many years, that it needs to happen. And, you know, stoking up the fires of hate against them and blaming all the problems which are actually caused by politicians and bankers and big business, the arms industry, all the rest of it, you know, the whole subprime thing in um, 2008 when that came to a head, you know, you can't blame that on the poorest of the people in your society who are scraping a living doing the jobs that no one else wants to do. Well, I say you can't blame them. You can. And you have, well, not you, but, you know, the, the powers that be, the media and the likes of Trump and his whole bandwagon have done that and have been riding high on it to the point where people are still under his spell. And, and you know, this isn't a unique problem to America. This is worldwide, certainly within Western, um, you know, Western Europe and America and, you know, Canada and everything, that we we are under this spell of blaming the people who are the least possible you know they, they have the, the least influence the these these poor people who have come to our countries in such yeah, a better well, life and, and the, the reality is that the people who we should be blaming are the very people who are demonizing these immigrants and are, are going to then use billions of dollars of taxpayers money tax dollars that that people you know taxpayers in that country have earned and given to the government to, to try and better society. They're going to waste that money building a giant wall, which may or may not be effective when, you know, it, it's, it, it's just madness to, to look at it and just to see how people are under this spell. It just, it just blows my mind. Well, if you look at a border that is far more serious than anything proposed and see how leaky it was, I'm talking about the Berlin wall or the Iron Curtain, and for for an Iron Curtain, it, it was more like the an iron screen door for a lot of in a lot of places. So whatever they're doing is is not going to stem the kind of tide, the economic tide that's forcing the or driving these people north. Right, and the Berlin Wall is a great example. How have things been since the Berlin Wall came down? Pretty good. Germany's doing all right. Right, but what I'm saying is a lot of the reason it's doing all right, I'm I'm just saying as long as you have one side of the Eastern Bloc or East Germany with the economic pressures between one side and the other, anything that you put up that's passive is going to going to have limited success. What do you mean by passive exactly? Well, as far as I know, there are this wall will have no anti-personnel features. Oh, so by passive, you just mean a giant wall that is very hard to climb over, and it won't have troops with guns and, you know, f giant flashlights or whatever. Right. I mean, anything you put up, somebody with um, scaling equipment can go over. Or out in the middle of nowhere, somebody will... Uh, have bolt cutters and whatever needed to go through it. Yeah, well, they'll dig a Shawshank-style tunnel. Yeah, especially if they're... I'm just saying, I don't, I don't care if you put the Hoover Dam 
across the entire border. If it's passive, somebody's going to climb it. Well, exactly. And so I think we can agree that it's a complete waste of money then. Well, I think it's a low-performance solution. However, while people are are uh, fuming over this, they're not looking at what whatever else the politicians are getting up to. Well, indeed, classic distraction tactics. But, you know, here, here's a crazy, crazy idea. What if we had a situation where we had effectively international socialism, where every country was equal, where wealth was genuinely distributed, you know, redistributed across all countries and all people, and everybody had the same economic situation. Everyone had access to free healthcare. Everyone paid tax to fund it all, of course, and everyone had the the right to uh, accommodation and, you know, we, we didn't have homelessness. Then people wouldn't want to move countries, would they? They'd want to stay with their family and friends and where they grew up. And, you know, that that is a, a, a mad, radical idea that just will never happen because of the greed of humanity. But if, if we had that, just a picture that for one second, where everybody was economically equal and you didn't have trillionaires and the 1% and everything, and you had perhaps robots doing all of the farming and jobs that no one wanted to do, um, and, you know, automation, and people were just free to just do whatever they wanted, and we had this utopia, then that would solve the, the migration problem for good because people would just sort of, well, really, people would probably go where the weather was good, I would have thought. I mean, I, I would probably, well, actually, the weather in London's pretty good. It's generally pretty mild in the winter, and it's, pretty, it's not too hot in the summer. Um, but, you know, as climate change kicks in, people will probably end up moving further north where it's not quite so hot all the time. You know, in mainland Europe, in Germany, over the last sort of 20 years, it's gone from being nice and hot in the summer to unbearably hot. And I would imagine that a similar situation has happened in many other places. And so people will probably ultimately, or would in this thought experiment, would probably tend to move further away from the equator. But, you know, that is just never going to happen, is it? It's that This is just a complete pipe dream, never going to happen. But it's a nice dream. Well, also, um, our social security system, which, if it wasn't run by the government, it would be illegal as a Ponzi scheme. It's the only tax, tax in the country where if you make enough money, you stop paying it. Well, indeed. Indeed, if, we have a similar situation here where, yeah, if, if you're a mega corporation or a very, very rich person, then you can avoid paying tax almost completely. I mean, they will say if they could limit the, the amount the government pays out per month to some, you know, some level, but and just say, sorry, guys, if you make $3 million, you've got to, you know, pay your 30000 into Social Security or whatever it is. But people will say, well, if we limit the benefit that we pay out, then little old ladies will starve to death. The people who really object to paying more Social Security are not the people who are going to become little old ladies. They're the people who are using it for tobacco money. Yeah. The people who, who are making big money, and we're talking multi-million dollar salaries and whatnot, they're the ones who will get listened to. The little old lady that who, who these people are supposed purportedly saving 
is too busy trying to fill out the forms for food stamps to to get on the horn with his with with her congressman. Yep. Well, I did not expect to be having a big political discussion here tonight. I expected to be talking about I don't know Microsoft and Linux and things and how they've uh, you know embraced it over the last year massively. But I think I uh, it's gone three thirty. I think I need to go and get a bit of fresh air and then. Uh, go to sleep. So it's been good talking to you, and uh, happy new year. Well, hopefully I'll I'll get back on my podcasting, and I'll be hearing you, the programs you're producing. Thank you yeah, very much. Che- yeah, yeah. Check out um, LinuxActionNews.com um, and Lin- uh, LateNightLinux.com, but also check out UserEror, which is error.show, which is a little bit of Linux, a little bit of technology. But uh, what we call 42 topics, life, the universe, and everything. We just talked about anything. Um, on the last one, we talked about whether or not it's a good idea to lie to children about Santa. And we had a nice debate about that. So there's all sorts of topics. And that that's my latest show, and I'm um, quite happy with it. So do check it out, error.show. Thank you very much. See you later. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.